I don't need to validate. Like, I don't need to tell you that you're doing a great job when you're not doing a great job. You should know you're not doing a great job and you should be internally motivated to do better. The problem isn't an obesity epidemic in America or, or in the world. The problem is, is a lack of musculature that like, because people aren't focusing on, on developing muscle density and bone density. Everybody and welcome back to the Hard Time Strongman Podcast, where we are creating a better class of man. This week's topic, physical fitness, near and dear to my heart, because for me, there's a huge difference between appearing to be physically fit and actually being physically fit. I'm very, very happy that I'm able to bring forth a special guest this week, Mr. Doug from Softleet. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for being here, dude. Hey, man. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, like we had, we had a really cool intro talk which i'm sure everyone wishes they had been part of but there's there's no flies on the wall for that one um i think it's it's funny because like what you're doing in many ways mirrors what we've been doing at softly and i guess if if the listeners aren't familiar with softly uh we started a human performance company um in the 2017 now you know what i have to look back i think maybe 2012 it's been <laughs> I was looking around my office because I was like, I know I have something here that tells me when it is. But that being said, I uh, I essentially, I can't remember when we started, but I do know that when we did start the company, we had identified what we viewed to be pretty big gaps in fitness at a unit level for us. Like guys all had an idea of what they wanted to do. They only wanted to do what they wanted to do. And for the most part, Guys, teams were pretty good about keeping themselves accountable fitness-wise based on their mission set. But as mission sets changed, guys would have a really hard time pivoting. You know, you, we, and I've talked about this in other things, but like you had two main types of guys in the military. You had a guy who was really good at running and a guy who was basically a bodybuilder. And, you know, the guys who were good at running wished they were bodybuilders. The guys who were bodybuilders would constantly say that running was a useless thing skill and that they didn't need to do it and we all know that neither party was entirely right um that you know a good cardiovascular base is important but like not at the sacrifice of looking like a string bean wimp like you know you still want to project i (laughs) this will sound super shallow but um people gauge people will judge you on how you look i don't care uh Oh, it's not even shallow, dude. And like I've said this multiple times, professionally, personally, it's it's how you carry yourself, and not even what you say. It's what you your first your first like go around when they look at you. And if you're if you're a low vis guy, like if you're a dude who does, you know, you have to blend in. You got to do surveillance. Being a little sloppy <laughs> is okay because you don't yeah. want to look too distinctively physical. But if you're if you're rolling around in a bad neighborhood. Being a 200-pound gorilla who looks very serious, people leave mm-hmm. you alone like because they they don't yep. want to find out. You know, the whole around and find out thing, like they just don't want to. So <laughs> being, being physically fit just from a psychological standpoint in that capacity is great, but like are you actually fit? And there's 
we, we say it a lot. There's show ponies and there's go ponies. So there's a lot of dudes that don't look like very much that perform really, really well. And there's a lot of guys who look really great that don't perform very well. So we put together initially two PDFs um, because we just wanted to see how it would sell. And one of those PDFs was a prep program for guys who wanted to go to a soft unit, like a special operations unit. And the other one was for guys who were on a team who needed a more well-rounded fitness program that it was strength biased, but still kept their motor like fresh. So um, that was Juggernaut. That was the first uh, program we did. And it was heavy lifting coupled with a lot of interval runs. So like you do a 400 interval set and an 800 interval set any week. And then you'd have like a 5k at the end of a of mesocycle. So it'd be like four weeks of training and there'd be like a 5k in there just to kind of make sure you could still mm-hmm. run a 5k. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like but I mean what started as what we thought was like a pigeonhole product. Um it was so successful in our first launch that we immediately had to transition away from selling PDFs to like using a third party fitness app to store our training. And then we launched into building a, an organic app within about a year um, where we built our own app with our own stuff in it. And we kept expanding our offerings uh, fitness wise. But the thing that I kept coming back to in all of it is like, we have a very limited amount of time on this planet. And those of us who chose to go into military service have at least culturally a skewed view. Like we understand how important fitness is and you know, it's drilled into Mm -hmm. us institutionally. Um, We're shamed by peers (laughs) or, you know, it, it comes time for a PT test and suddenly you realize like, Hey, I might've been doing like curls in the gym for the last year and I might look great, but now I'm not sure I can pass a run and guys start to sweat and they're like, Oh man, if I fail this PT test, I'll never be on my team again. So like there's at least some degree of accountability that's routine within our institutional structure. But when you look at people outside of the military, um, that doesn't really exist. It's everybody. And and I think we said this earlier, but the problem isn't an obesity epidemic in America or, or in the world. The problem is, is a lack of musculature that like, because people aren't focusing on, on developing muscle density and bone density, uh, their bodies are kind of falling apart. And because we have a cultural fascination with aesthetics, all people care about is looking good. And, you know, a lot of that's plastic surgery. A lot of that is like fad diets or, you know, people who are like, well, I run marathons. Cool, man. Some of the least fit people I've ever seen in my life are are marathon runners. (laughs) Like you, you might be great at running 26 miles, but like you can't pick up your kid to carry him across the threshold at the house because you're just a weak piece mm-hmm. of shit. Um, and those are the people that we view as fit. And if we look at the people who aren't fit, holy shit, you're, you're talking about people that they know that they're not in shape, but they make excuses. They're like, well, I don't need to be like, I'm smart. I'm accomplished professionally. And it's like, I- I'm not, I'm not calling those people fat to shame them. I don't want them. Like they already feel bad enough when they look in the mirror. They're like, yo, I wish I didn't look this way. Um, That's not the issue. The issue is 
are you living your your highest potential like in our current civilization where everything is easy and things are nice are you still living your highest potential the answer is no like you are limiting yourself on the experiences that you get to have in your life based on your fitness level um, or lack thereof, I guess is a better way to put it. And so it's like, okay, well, so hypothetically, if there is ever any sort of cultural um, degradation, if, you know, things are not as easy as they are today, are you ready for that? Like, and I'm not saying that as some crazy prepper either. I'm just saying like, life's crazy and it throws curveballs at you like you might have to run for your life or you might have to like get in a scuffle are you equipped for that like have you like do you have confidence in that because what i found when i when i joined the military i weighed 130 pounds i was a skinny kid from west texas i was like you know hey i'm i'm strappy Mm -hmm. or scrappy right like i I've never met a problem I couldn't solve with a baseball bat or a <laughs> cheater bar or something, you know, I don't yeah. have to be strong. And then I realized I was surrounding myself with people who were committing themselves to a level of violence and capabilities that I'd never experienced in my life. Um, I knew hard guys, but like they always got to go home at the end of the day. Like, you know, they were hard cause they had to be with their work, but even those guys, like their work was their fitness, not like they weren't having to develop, um, almost superhuman fitness levels and people are like, well, it's genetics. And you know, these people are just more equipped. And I'm here to tell you, I think that we all kind of start with the same, like, obviously we have different body types. We're endomorphs, ectomorphs, mesomorphs, whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, I think that with the amount of the right amount of work and, and consistency, we can kind of change your body type. I was, uh, an ectomorph, um, when I was a kid and was just a skinny kid who couldn't put weight on. And, you know, now I'm an endomorph. I'm like, I mean, I'm five, nine, 200 pounds, you know, 10% body fat, whatever. Um, like this was not the body that I've gone through most of my formative years with. Um, and the only reason I'm here is because I put time into it and my life doesn't revolve around the gym. I spend 45 minutes to an hour and a half in the gym four or five days a week when I'm consistent, but my life does revolve around physical activity. I, I ride bikes. I, you know, I hunt with a bow. I like to, you know, go out and just be in nature with my kids. I like to climb mountains. If I wasn't in good shape, I wouldn't be able to do any of those things really, not effectively. Um, I would have to spend more money. I have to pay for a guided hunt. I have to do, I, I'd have to climb Kilimanjaro. Like uh, a shitty, yeah, <laughs> a shitty hike mountain, not a technical mountain that has you know, not a real yeah. mountain. Yeah, uh, I mean it's the tallest. Okay, cool, but also like eighty year old ladies climb it. It's the easiest. Yeah, what does what does yeah. that mean for you? Um, yeah. So like, it's funny because I think when people see our company, they're like, "Oh, well, that's for soft guys," and I'm like, "Well, seventy five percent of my customers are normal people." And they put in the work and they see the results because unlike most, most people that, most people that are fitness experts are professional athletes and they are training for a game of some kind. It's a sport, it's a game, but they have to be peak performance in one or two areas and they have a designated window where they need to perform 
their best. It's a game. It's, you know, hey, I need to peak for the Olympics. I need to peak for this race. I need to peak for uh, this lift event. But I know when it is, and I know it's this very small window in my life, and I can train for that. Um, I think that special operations guys mirror normal people because we don't know when game time is. Like, I don't know when my kid is going to get hurt and need me to carry him for a mile when we're hiking. I don't know when, like, a gunfight's going to happen in, in my military job. And I don't know when, like, I, don't, I just don't know when I have to f- perform physically. And if I train myself to, um, you know, exhaustion and then I leave the gym and I suddenly have to do my job, well, I'm not really much used to anybody, right? So mm-hmm. when we try to – I try to explain to people that, like, the culture of where I come from is very rare, but the training um, methodologies that have developed from our community – apply universally to normal people more so than what you see in the pages of men's health like when it's like hey six minute abs or you know get your marathon time under four hours um i mean it's great that people do that but that's kind of the tip of the iceberg and it's not really addressing their overall capabilities or long-term performance um i don't see an end to my career i'm I'm 41 uh, I'm still doing my job. Uh, I just migrated away from an active, um, well, for, I, I migrated away from team life into a staff job where I'm training. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if anything, my need to perform at a high level to demonstrate to my students what the standard is has only become more important. And mm-hmm. demonstrating to my kids what good health looks like, um, you know, in my 20s, I would drink until like 3 in the morning and I'd show up for a ruck or a run at 5, still still drunk probably, <laughs> you know, with all the other guys. Yeah. And like I would put out, but it was, you know, it was stupid. And now I'm 41 and I mean, I hardly drink. Um, I go through periods of time where I'm like, oh, I'm just not going to drink at all just because it's putting poison in my body and it's not helping me. Um, and honestly, I think we're setting a pretty bad example for our kids when – like our kids only see us socialized centered around, you know, drinking or, you know, watching other people play sports or whatever. So like, I want my kids to be doers. I don't want them to be viewers. And so it's like, Hey, uh, if I demonstrate to them the benefits of being healthy and active, uh, I want them to understand it's, it's a really important part of their life. So like I'm demonstrating to them the way to do it. And it's the same way, yeah. you know, the people who are customers or my peers or my my charges, as it were, you know. <laughs> so, like, I just culturally, I want to take that piece of our culture and I want to bring it to the masses. Not because they need to be Green Berets or special operations guys, but because I think that the last remnants of people who see something – that they want and want and, and force themselves to do things they're scared of to get there exist in our culture. And I think that that culture is, is something that we need to be spreading, not muting. It's like, Oh, well those guys do that. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody should like, you shouldn't walk down the street and be afraid because you're uncertain of your own capabilities. You should walk out of your house 
and be like, yeah, I think I got the biggest dick around. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have to show it. Yeah. Anybody, but like, I, it's so weird to me when I talk to people outside of soft and they're like, well, you know, this is a bad area. We shouldn't go here. And I'm like, well, that's smart situational awareness. Um, but like, if I have to go there, I'm not afraid of like, I mean, I've worked in inner city, Baltimore and DC and like, I've built some really great relationships with people just because I was able to go to those places and I wasn't afraid of being there, you know, like, Hey, guess what? People are people, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It might be a rough neighborhood, but like, I'm not afraid to be here. I'm not going to be an asshole. Um, and because I'm capable, most people don't mess with me, you know, like if people wanted to try, I can sense it. And I'm like, Hey, I should leave. <laughs> it's not the place for me. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> got it. Yeah. I, I, I think the way you explained it, though, simply, dude, is it's um, it's like a mentality thing and you guys are trying to normalize it, normalize it for the mass. And, that, and like I said, that's the positive way to look at, again, not just fitness, like anything where we're trying to we're trying to bring the best aspects of a, a culture that's so romanticized and fantasized and normalize it for the most people and realize that, hey, it's not just applicable to this unit doing a direct action hit. It's like you could do that for something else or even like the thing as a parent. And I've said this to a lot of people. I haven't said it really on the podcast, but again, because I keep everything about me very secretive or very like limited, but you can see me now and we've, we've been talking for a while and I've said before I have kids and the big thing with my kids is when I'm out with my daughter specifically, because my daughter's the younger one, when she sees other dads who look kind of, sh- she always looks at me and, and she's nine. She always says, I'm glad you don't look like that. <laughs> and it's not even like an aesthetic thing. It's like we said the performance thing, because my kids know that if something ever happened, they could look at me and they're like, yeah, dad could probably take care of us. And he could probably throw me on his back and yep. run away. Even if like you said, I don't have to be an about it. I'm not like showboating. Like, uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing my thing, doing my thing with my family. But it's, it's just totally normalized because again, the community we come from or the culture where, where we came from very young, it was like you said, it was instilled very easily because we were, we were either bullied or like harassed or people would make fun of you if you didn't yep. perform. But now uh, uh, trying to normalize it for normal people, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna pull, I'm not gonna bully you if you're fat and sh. I'm just gonna explain, hey, dude, maybe your kids might need you one day, or do you want your daughter to kind of not like, you know, see that as normal? Well, in our community too, like, <laughs> I think most of us came from backgrounds where we felt like we had to earn, um, mm-hmm. a, we had to earn affection and validation, like even from a very young age. Yeah. Um, our parents, I don't know about your family situation, but I came from a pretty religious background. And so there was, okay. there was always the sense that, um, it wasn't quite good enough, right? Like not. So yeah, like it wasn't just enough. And we talked about it before the recording, but like both my parents being like pretty hardcore yeah. immigrants, like fresh off the boat, it was never good yeah. enough. Like without the religious we, part, right? We need right? you yeah. to do more. We need you to perform. More. And the thing is yeah. you spend years of your life trying to live up to the expectations that have been silently set for you. And that puts us in a place where all we really understand validation wise is bullying and shame because that motivates us yeah. to work harder. <laughs> but that's not, that's not, um, that is not the population writ large. And I think it's really hard when we migrate away from soft and work with more normal people who aren't motivated by shame and abuse. <laughs> like, yes. And, yeah. And you're like, yeah. well, I don't need to validate. Like, I don't need to tell you that you're doing a great job when you're not doing a great job. You should know you're not doing a great job and you should be internally motivated to do better. And, and that just doesn't work with a lot of people. So like, 
No, especially now culturally, like we said, it's so accepted to be mediocre and anything more is seen as like elitist or toxic or and like I you said, you're an <laughs> I love that you bring that up because like because we've created this culture centered around equity, um, it's not equality, it's equity, right? Like they want everyone to have the same it's it's uh, I will say this unpopular it's neo-communism, right? Yes, it's it literally is. like yeah, it is hundred percent the idea that Every single person should be the same. And if you are better than someone else, then you're obligated to help that other person. And it's like, no, 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 no. Everyone should be helping themselves. But it shouldn't be, we shouldn't have to force other people. We shouldn't shame other people. Um, We should recognize what everyone brings different strengths to the table. What I think is funny is that we've normalized mediocrity, like you said, and it's become, uh, it's become a very odd cycle where um and i'm trying to think of i guess the easiest way to think about it is in the military which this is i i hate that i'm always bringing it back to this but no no I that's think, totally fine and again it's going to be the example because we both you know yeah. it's, it's what we know <laughs> so but, it's an easy the military is is dealing with the lowest common denominator yes as an institution mm-hmm. and like we talked about the fact that like um when it comes to military education, almost every course is a crawl, walk, run phase. So I, I see a lot of people who aren't in shape and I recognize they're in the crawl phase. And so one of the things that we do at Softly that's very different than other fitness um, like programs, most fitness programs are marketing ploys. Uh, they're, they're fitness light, marketing heavy. And they want you to see a guy that has abs, who's in shape, who supposedly got all of that shape out of like, you know, 12 minutes a day of intense <laughs> exercise yeah. and these, these supplements we sell that mm-hmm. are miracle supplements. And you're like, well, we sell supplements, but there, there's nothing miraculous about them. We just sell protein and we sell, uh, you know, pre-workout. The pre-workout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they have things in them that are, that'll help you feel more motivated, that will help you uh, recover better, but there's no mystery there. It's, it's a very cut and dry product. Um, and there's no mystery in our programming either, but like we're huge advocates of scaling where it's yeah. like, hey, we wrote this 12-week program for an operator. It is a great program that can help you with you know these different areas of your fitness but if you're not able to meet the prescribed exercises in the first three weeks then you should scale the volume because what you're doing is you're building your work capacity for you Mm -hmm. from where you're at and you know this this has been a problem it's in the military it was a it was for a long time we were comfortable with super high attrition rates getting into units and i'll use the sas as an example uh did you watch did you watch that uh series rogue heroes of the sas yes i know which one, i know exactly which one you're talking about Bro. i watched it on youtube constantly whenever i was going through my process and i'm like this is it <laughs> so good but so like, if good you look back at our predecessors they were psychos like, psychos man you're you're talking about guys who had you know massively unaddressed alcoholism internalized mm-hmm. anger issues who are absolutely trying to prove themselves to their dads or somebody, <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or they were compensating for like, like latent homosexuality that they knew they couldn't talk about because the system wasn't yeah. accepting yeah. of what they did. 
um, Patty Main being like a great mm-hmm. example, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, these dudes were insane. And I, by no means, am trying to normalize that aspect of it. And I don't want to be like, well, the only way to build uh, a tough attitude towards like survival and fitness and your family life is to like do a fan dance. No, mm-hmm. like <laughs> you don't have to do a hundred mile ruck march in the desert with one canteen of water to prove that you have what it takes. Yeah. In fact, you shouldn't because we know better now. And since yeah. we're not evaluating you for some specialized unit, you're your own bellwether, right? Like mm-hmm. if your body hurts, is it pain or is it just a little bit of hurt? You need to find the balance where it's like, I'm my training load is too high. I'm no longer benefiting from it. That's why we don't really, we don't do maximal uh, stuff like if you look at our programs we almost never program guys for one rep maxes anymore yeah everything is based off like a three or a three a three to five rep max and i was gonna say because i'm and again before the recording we were kind of shooting the shit, but like i've been paying for your program for years and again this is a disclosure i'm not bringing on doug from softly because i'm sponsored by softly i'm not getting anything i just i've been like i have done their programming and yeah three to five is like we said that's like the max well the high strength and, actual rep range versus one rep, whatever. Well, and, and we gauge your other performance off of that. And, and yes. we even, we migrated away from that to what we, it's it's a more commonly accepted, it's called perceived rate of exertion now. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because guys react really negatively to that. Well, you know, my mind is telling me that it's like, no, 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 <laughs> look, man, this isn't about like the strength of your mind or lack thereof. It's literally like, we need you to leave this many reps in reserve. Yeah, because you may How have to use it later. It feel? Yeah. Yep. And you need to start gauging your ability to perform intelligently. Like if we were to tell you, I need you to carry two five-gallon water cans two miles, and you have to do a certain number of push-ups every time you set them down, mm-hmm. you should be wargaming it about like, well, if I start carrying them and I make it a mile, then I'm going to start putting them down every 10 feet after the mile's over. Yeah. Or I can set them down every 400 yards. And I can slowly take pace it nice, out for myself. Yeah. Yeah. A two minute break in which I do X number of push ups, and then I pick them up and I walk another 400 yards or meters or whatever. <clears throat> and you have to be able to build your own work rest cycle intelligently so that you can maximize your actual meaningful work, not just kill yourself to mm-hmm. prove a point. Because we only work out so that, you know, like we can go into the backcountry or, you know, it's a shame to me. <clears throat> I'll, I'll digress for a second, but like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, during COVID yep. in America, everything kind of shut down, right? And I use that as an excuse to go see the country with my kids. We traveled all over road trips. I mean, every city was deserted. Um you know, national parks initially, they were open, but they were abandoned. Yeah. And as the years progressed and people started to become a little more confident that people were like, well, we want to see the national parks too. And like my kids and I, we would like, we would, we'd go to the national park, we'd see it. And then we'd find a place to park our overlanding truck and camp out. And then we'd like hike in and see cool stuff that, you know, it, it required us to be a little bit, you know, active. Mm-hmm. And then as COVID, you know, as more people came out, I see like the troglodytes come out. It's like, <laughs> these are people that have been like 
living on their couches on a steady diet of like Fritos and chili for their entire lives. And they're in RVs and they're like, their exposure to the beauty of nature is limited to what they can see from the steps of their RV. And they're like pulling up to national parks and waiting in two hour lines to drive through a national park to see some things, but they can't even like they can't even walk to the delicate arch and arches because it's a you know it's an hour out an hour back and mm-hmm. like they would be dead on the side of the <laughs> on the side of the trail <laughs> and you're like you guys went to all the trouble and spent all this money to see how beautiful the American West is but you don't even get to experience it you like take the same you could have bought postcards and seen it you know like yeah what is that like do you want to live your life that way or do you want to be able to like Say, hey, you know what's scary? Angels Landing. I would like to walk up that, uh, and I'm going to. And I don't. You never have to question if the limitation for Angels Landing is your fitness. You just question on whether you're going to fall off or not. <laughs> you know, like yeah. So like, and we talked about the whole like the beauty and the basics, and you know, I think all fundamentally uh, excellent individuals have mastered the basics of. Mm-hmm whatever their craft is so like uh one of the basics of being a human is being able to walk and yep. everybody's like well i know how to walk yeah and you don't have to think about it either until you have an injury and then you have to relearn how to walk and you're like oh walking isn't walking is not easy it's just that i've been doing it so long that i just naturally do it well mm-hmm. so if you apply the same thing to your fitness if you're not in good shape the amount of time and focus required to complete a physical task distracts from all the other things that you should be paying attention to during that time frame, right? Mm-hmm. So like the more you work on the basics, the more you're comfortable with lifting heavy things, not being out of breath or exhausted because you're moving, the easier it is to focus on, is there a, a mountain lion on the path? Yeah. <laughs> uh, has there has there been a mudslide? Like, I, do I need to pay attention to the things that are going on around me that matter? Because now I don't have to think about walking because it's just second nature. I breathe. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about how I breathe. Ironically, most of us breathe pretty poorly, even yeah. though it's something we we do we naturally. Do. Yeah. So, like, one of the things we work on in our programs is like we have breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's like, hey, after you've gotten done your workout, sit down and find a quiet place and do different breathing patterns. But like Mm -hmm. this week I did a five-second inhale, 10-second hold, 10-second exhale. On the heels of a workout, you know how hard it is to do a slow 10-second exhale after you've held your breath for 10 seconds? It ain't easy. (laughs) (laughs) But those kinds of of, um, regenerative breathing protocols actually – allow you to breathe much more efficiently in your regular day of life. You won't catch yourself holding your breath. Like a lot of time when I focus, it's like, <sighs> like, you know, I'm like, Hey, yeah. how long did I hold my breath there? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and so if you like focus on good nasal belly breathing post-workout, it's really easy to get into a, a more efficient, clean breathing pattern that, Actually, ironically enough, learning how to breathe better reduces a lot of the stress on your central nervous system and other activities. So you can see an increased recovery rate just because you learned how to breathe better. Well, shit. it's like the when people ask me 
you're like, well, you're a fitness guy. What do I need to do to get in shape? Like, I want to do this crazy thing. <laughs> I saw a guy on the internet, like he was doing like, you know, like he was, he was doing a kickflip with 300 pounds on his back or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, and you're like, oh man, that was really impressive, but you should not start there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it's got to be progressive like, just like you said, but it's, it's so normalized now where it's the two spectrums and that's what we were talking about, right? Where it's like, it's, they normalize it's okay to not be in shape because it's toxic or they normalize you have to be so in shape. Anything else is not normal. But like I said, the soft leads kind of hit in the neutral ground, the 80%. They're like, no, we can get normal people to an acceptable standard that's that you will actually like do forever you'll never stop at it's this not point. instant gratification either yes and that's problematic because yeah we exist in a culture where it's like um like what is it uh is it is it 30 hard there's like a there's a trend where people are like, for 30 days, I do all these hard things. Like I'm journaling. Oh, I'm eating yeah. Right. I saw that. Joe Rogan no talked sugar. about it. Yeah, it was like 30 days yeah. they could do it. Yep. But it's 30 days. I yeah. mean, for Christ's sake, I can hold my breath on my head for 30 days. I mean, I can't, but you get the yeah. gist. Like mm-hmm. 30 days isn't a sustainable life change. It's not. You're it's not that long. doing a thing that's supposed to motivate you, but you're taking such extreme measures. You're changing so much so quickly. Mm-hmm. You're likely not to stick with it. After just like those, days. just like those fad diets we were talking about earlier. It's just, yep. it's not sustainable long term. Whereas, again, the progressive training with Softly, because you guys include everything. Again, for people who don't know, they have literally everything in the app from like nutrition to like recovery to all these different programs based on what your needs are. So it is sustainable. Like you said, you can do this for years. And it's getting better because we're the new we're going to release a new app next year and it's going to be auto scaled some of the biggest complaints from people are like well i'm not and i'll digress again a little like it's hard it's hard to market a product that requires a 12 week commitment right and most of our cycles are are like our introductory cycles could be very short mm-hmm. but most of our actual cycles are 12 or 14 weeks um, getting people to commit to 12 or 14 weeks of exercise is a challenge because life happens. You know, you travel, yeah. you're going on the road. So one of the things that we focused on with the app is making it so like you can choose a training cycle that is periodized and has, um, deload weeks in it. But if you happen to be on the road, you just click on the app. Hey, I'm in a hotel and your equipment and the time modality are going to scale based on what you have as the end user which okay. has been pretty important. Um, but it doesn't compromise the core aspects of what we know about exercise science and to show people that they can have, you know, periodized growth. I I actually made a post on Instagram this week because I, I had an ACL injury skiing, um, like a complete tear two years ago. I had reconstructive surgery. Um, it went really well. I progressed really quickly in my recovery. But getting back to running was the hardest part. I mean, yeah. I didn't really start running for like a year, um, even though I was stronger and I felt like I was good. I still had really crazy imbalances. My fast twitch on my injured leg didn't catch up as fast. Um, and I looked at my training logs on Strava because I I ran, I did a 5K interval workout and I ran the fastest 5Ks I've ever run in my life at one of my heavier weights. And I was just completely mystified. And I was like, hey, what does my training effect look like? And it was funny because over the last five years, you don't 
you don't really think about the progress you've made because it's always what am I doing right now? Like, is yes. it good enough? Mm-hmm. And I look at my training log and I realize that like I've had increasingly high peaks and increasingly high valleys, but I've had peaks and valleys consistently for like five years. But every time I have a valley now, it feels like I'm starting over, but that's not a realistic view because I've been consistent in my training for like the last really 15 years. I don't have records from what was, what it was like, but I remember yeah. when I got into special forces, I trained with a guy who is a fourth degree black belt in jujitsu. Who's an absolute monster. Uh, do you know who Alan Shabaro is? No, I'm not familiar with him. Yeah. Look Alan's him. a, He's a beast. I love Alan. He's he was my roommate in the Q course, and he was like a two hundred and forty pound gorilla, <laughs> who he just constantly shamed us about being weak. You know, he's like, awesome. you guys are all put. Yeah, <laughs> but it, you you learn so much from being around a guy like that. But you think I need to be like that guy? And I mm-hmm. remember when I first pulled two hundred twenty five pounds on a deadlift, I thought I was like the strongest guy in the world. <laughs> You know, I was like, yes, yeah. I'm, I can do a 225 pound deadlift. Well now, like I warm up at 225 and you just don't think about that. So yeah. Like, Cause it's all been progressive. Like you said, right. You yeah. don't realize though, when you look back, but people think that they, they see me like doing 500 pound plus rack pulls mm-hmm. in, you know, the gym. And they're like, dude, what did you do to get there? And I'm like, well, 15 years ago, yeah. I was struggling to rep 135. And I've just been consistent and I have avoided injury. I've prioritized my recovery. And so when people say, oh, well, I don't feel good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. I need to get back in the gym. I'm going to really turn over a new leaf. I need to get on the soft lead program. My first question is how's your sleep? And people are like, what, that, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and I'm like, well, like, sure, you can go beat yourself up in the gym, but like, if you're not sleeping well, you're never going to recover and you're just going to hurt yourself. Like your testosterone's lower. Your recovery is not good. Mm-hmm. Like number one focus should be, Hey, how are you sleeping? If you're not sleeping well, you're already behind the eight ball. So like change the way you live, take all the lights out of your room, focus on reading a book 30 minutes before bed. Don't expose yourself to like blue light, get your sleep to a point where you're getting six to eight hours of good quality rest a night and then tell me how you feel because mm-hmm. now I'm going to be like, Hey, get in the gym, go do your thing. And you're getting this great rest and recovery. So whatever you're doing in the gym is actually benefiting you. Cause we don't grow. We don't get stronger in the gym. We actually are tearing our muscles and hurting ourselves, mm-hmm. but to get stronger, it's all the rest and recovery. Yeah. yeah. And like and then, got, and then like nutrition too, like you guys include as well, right? It's all of it. Yep. We got we got meal plans. Um and like it's funny because I I've got two semi picky eaters for kids, and I had and I have an ex wife who was also a little bit of a picky eater, but you know, hopefully she doesn't listen to this because she'll tell me I'm not a picky eater. <laughs> like, okay. Um but like I've never cooked anything from our nutrition plan that my family wasn't like, oh my God, that was really good. Like you should make that again. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff is totally normal food. Cause again, like I said, I, I've been paying for your app for years now. And like, um, my kids aren't picky at all, but like my, my kids are a little younger than yours. So I'm like, okay, well some of the stuff in here is totally normal food. And it's just, it's like what we said yeah, with, the fi- I mean, with the fitness thing, you're normalizing it. You're making it normal. So it's not like out well, of the, like the world now. 
And all the stuff that we're advocating people cook, all the recipes are using more nutritious stuff. Like, hey, yes. man, you know what? I like, like my kids like chicken fingers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we've got, uh, you know, recipes for like buffalo chicken tenders mm-hmm. that use like panko breadcrumbs and a little bit of, you know, red hot and some eggs. And like, it's not processed. You can get, you yeah. know, your. You still get your macros and your micros and everything through yep. these programs. Yeah. And people are like, well, it's a lot of effort. And you're like, sure. I cook. I cook a lot. I like cooking. But when I was cooking for a lot more people, mm-hmm. I I would cook maybe three times a week. But I would cook a lot. And yep. then I would take it and divvy it up into servings and put yeah, it we, in the containers. We do that in my house too. I meal prep yeah. like twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you so you have a couple days where you're doing really big cooking. And mm-hmm. then you just feel better. And yeah. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. I like I like booze, right? Like I like to drink. We came from a really heavy drinking culture, yeah, and socially, it's like I like to drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am not ever going to tell guys like, "Oh, drinking is terrible." But here's the facts: alcohol is poison. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it is, and you're you're consuming a poison. Because you like the way it makes you feel or you like the way it tastes or because of the social aspect of what surrounds mm-hmm. it. But if we're really trying to maximize our fitness, um, drinking is hurting. Out. Yeah, you would yeah, have drink, to cut it Drinking out. is hurting. Yeah. And most people just think, well, I quit drinking because I wanted to get less fat because I, you know, those extra calories were making me hold weight. And you're like, well, yeah, but the real issue with alcohol is it's getting in the way of quality sleep. If you drink one alcoholic beverage within four hours of going to bed, it disrupts your REM sleep dramatically. Your resting heart rate is usually like 15 to 20 beats a minute higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, your ability to actually get into an, a REM state, almost completely eliminated. So like people are like, well, I drink because I need to go to sleep. Well, it puts you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's You're not getting ruining, real sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's ruining your rest, right? Mm-hmm. And so like. I tell guys like, hey, look, um, you know, a lot of us have endocrine failure. Going to a doctor and getting your testosterone checked is actually really important. Mm-hmm. But if your test is like is like low normal, most of the time you can get up to high normal testosterone just by sleeping better and adjusting how you live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, cutting out some inflammatory foods, increasing your sleep. And we talk through a lot of that in like long form written content, podcasts, stuff like that. But I firmly believe we're changing the culture within SOF. Uh, when I came in, it was like, hey, if you're too much of a p- that you can't drink until three in the morning and then go for a 10 mile run, like you don't belong in this organization. And yeah, I now see that culturally we don't, we do not smile at that. Like we give guys who are alcoholics a pass. We're like, well, that guy he drinks a lot, but he's a good dude. Like he yeah. can do whatever. We used, to, we used to say that a lot too. That was the default line was, but he's a good dude, or he can still bang out a PT test on Monday even though he's wasted. Yep. He's and the thing is, we we still make those excuses for guys, but guys that have problems with alcohol are in many ways stigmatized. You know, like mm-hmm. it, the second that their work starts to slip, you're like, oh. It's because he's a drunk, you know, like, yeah, some guys are capable of being high performers, but the real question I always ask guys is like, why are you making it harder on yourself? Usually alcohol is masking. This is, this is an unrelated topic, but I think it's related enough to bring it up. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
culturally, as men, from the time we were born, we've all been programmed to believe that the only emotion that we can safely express is anger. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're too happy about something, people are like, hey, weirdo, why are you like, why are you being so happy? You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're sad and you if you cry, people are like, yo, what's up with that guy? He's weak. And I think what's funny is that from a from a, a tough guy standpoint, it's so much easier to do the hard things you need to do in life when you can actually touch your emotions and be like, holy shit, that person hurt my feelings. And then be like, well, do they do it intentionally or not? Mm-hmm. My feelings are hurt because of a deficiency in my life. Like that offended me or hurt my feelings because I'm insecure about that subject and I already am hard on myself about it. So it's not really that other person's fault. It's me, mm-hmm. right? And as soon as you can start touching like fear and, you know, sadness and, you know, uh, a sense of abandonment, whatever the things are that are going on inside, they don't need to manifest as like, fuck you, motherfucker, like, fuck you, let's fight. That is literally just our inability to handle overwhelming emotions. And it's one of the things that I tell guys is like, I learned to be emotionally intelligent very late in life. <laughs> yeah, like, so did I. So did I. And I, I, I'm like struggling with that now. Like that's something I'm trying to deal with outside of uniform now. Yeah, and I wish that I had learned to handle it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like my inability to handle my emotions is in general what motivated me to choose hard things to prove to other people that I was something that I didn't feel like I was inside yeah. of myself. Mm-hmm. And that kind of fake presentation, even when I was accomplishing things, um, it didn't, it wasn't satisfying. It was always like, Hey, just cause I did this thing, I haven't done shit. I need to do the next thing. Yeah. It's never and good it enough. This, you're always, you're always yeah. searching the next mountain. Yeah. It's a very vicious cycle. And I think one of the things that I love the most about my fitness journey is realizing that like, I don't have to be as strong as Alan Shabaro. I don't have to be a black belt in jujitsu. I don't have to be a cage fighter or a professional shooter. I need to see what my baseline is as an individual. I need to, I need to know what the minimum requirement is for the job I want to do or the, the activity I want to do. And I need to become proficient enough in that task that I can, I can hang with a caliber of people that I want to hang with. And I think that the hard part about that, and it ties back into our emotional regulation, is that we're all afraid of being judged and found wanting. So like we don't gravitate towards people that are better than us because we're afraid that they're going to judge us and say we're not good enough to hang out with them. Mm -hmm. But as long as we choose to hang out with people who aren't as good as us, we are never going to elevate ourselves. Um, there's only so much that we can do internally to grow and become better people. And it requires a crucible of circumstance and good friends and peers who may not even be your friend, but are better at things than you are to lift us up and say, Hey, you're f-ing up or you're not doing this right. Why don't you do it this way? Cause I can't like as a coach, 
Um, I can coach other people. I'm, I'm a mediocre coach at best, but I, I can coach. Um, Humbly I'm, saying it again. Write, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I can coach, but I mean, I'm not going to ever be like Cal Dietz, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be like a world-class yeah. coach. Um, frankly, I'm probably not even going to be like, <laughs> I'm probably not even going to be like garden variety, competitive CrossFit coach. Good. Mm-hmm. Because those guys are just dealing with clients and athletes 24 seven. But I do know that as a coach, if I want to get better, I need a coach. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the most the most capable athletes in the world still have coaches. And so when we talk about, you know, it, there's all these cliche phrases, iron sharpens iron. Like one man sharpens another man, like iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's very common in um, this like community. People say that a lot. But it's true. And what's funny about it is it doesn't need to be cliche. It just I think that we, as a culture, sell ourselves short. The mediocrity that's normalized is born out of people's fear of failure. And that if they can normalize mediocrity, then there's no pressure to perform and everybody gets a trophy and you don't ever have to examine um, the fact that you haven't really done anything. And I'm not saying that to shame people. I'm more specifically saying... If you live your life, just let's say we live 80 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a whole, like our average age is 80 years. If you wake up at 70 and you haven't done anything, it's too late to do anything. Yeah. You get to spend the next 10 years of your life full of regret because you're like, man, I should have gotten better friends. I should have done this hard thing. Well, guess what? You're 70 and you didn't lay the groundwork. But if you are, if you're 20, 30, 40, you're like, oh, I haven't done anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not too late. No. You can literally start and you can you can be like, well, step one, I'm going to get my sleep right. Step two, I'm going to be consistent and follow an exercise program. Holy shit. Being consistent and following an exercise program has made me a more valuable person to other people. And yeah. now in, instead of just hanging out with my homeboys that like, smoke dope 24 7 like i know it's cliche i actually don't have a problem with weed (laughs) but it's like instead of just being with guys who are focused on recreation and and frankly the word for it is sophistry right like Mm -hmm. basically indulging every one of your your the needs of your flesh yeah if you can if you can say well i I don't even remember who said it but it's it's the definition of happiness is the intersection of what you want and what you have, right? Yeah. And what you want and what you have very rarely intersect because they're yeah. per, they're parabolic. It's yeah. like it's an ebb and flow. Like I said, mm-hmm. there's there's mountaintops and there's valleys. But the beauty of a parabola is that it will always intersect again. Yeah. So like you could be if you're a flatline person and you're not doing anything if you don't want anything and you don't have anything well you're just probably never going to be happy because these are two parallel lines that are never going to converge you're just you're selling yourself short but if you want things that are bigger than you can actually achieve and you work towards them you will have them so like what you want will intersect with what you have Mm -hmm. and the more you focus on your deficiencies the more you're very critical of yourself not in a it doesn't have to be in a mean or like self-deprecating way but being like 
hey, I see this person and they seem to be happy. They have something that I want. How do they get there? I will do those things. The more you work on that, the more the amplitude of your parabola decreases and the more the um, the amplitude is the height. I don't, the frequency. The frequency, The frequency yep. narrows. <clears throat> so like all of a sudden you go from being a person who recognizes happiness every 30 days <laughs> or every 90 days to being a person that's like, oh, well, I mean, I wake up every morning and I marvel at the fact that like what I have and what I want are almost synonymous. Like my frequency and amplitude are almost flatlined mm-hmm. to the point where like I'm a really content and happy person. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why my divorce was so hard because it was like the first time in a extended period of my life where like I wanted something to work, but I couldn't force it. And I did everything in my power to make it work, but it, it wasn't going to work out. And mm-hmm. then I got to dive back into emotional regulation <laughs> and be like, I can't make another person want what I want. Mm-hmm. And what I want doesn't line up with what my my previous partner wants. And therefore, like, I can't be happy wanting this relationship that isn't a good fit and she's off doing what she wants to do now and i mean she's by all rights seems happy and it took me like three years to come to terms with the fact that like i have a great life i love my kids i love my job i love my friends i am blessed in so many ways but like i spent quite a bit of time wrestling with anger and resentment about not being able to force another person to do what i wanted them to do and I'm like a professional at understanding that it's all it's on us. You yeah, know what I mean, exactly. And it so it's way harder for other people when they don't have control of themselves. Like so- Socrates said, you know, um, what is it? Uh, he's talking about um, in order to experience happiness. This is paraphrased. Yeah. a man must first master himself. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I look around myself. And I'm surrounded by men who have mastered themselves. They're the example. Like whether it was people that I grew up with working in the oil field or my mentors in the military, um, not always in the healthiest ways, but they had mastered themselves. Even then though, the people, if you master yourself, you still don't master other people. (laughs) You know, like. Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, you're not going to be able to force it. And then you're just, you're just going to repeat that cycle of like the anger, you know, the guilt, yep. the, like the hate eventually. But again, yep. from a culture that we come from and a lot of the people listening to this, most of them were in the military, want to be in the military, whatever. It's totally normalized in this culture and people don't understand that. Yeah, unless you fully master yourself, you're not going to really progress or grow. And and like, I think it's, it, this is all a very holistic thing. And it's, it's easy I'll bring it back to fitness because it's something that I understand. Um, when we were talking about how like there's runners and there's bodybuilders, right? I look at it like a seesaw. It, this is a blatant oversimplification. But uh, if I'm looking for emotional, if I'm looking for happiness, period, right? There's happiness and there's unhappiness on the two sides yep. of the seesaw. Where is my fulcrum? Like, am I more... Is, is my fulcrum geared more towards unhappiness? Am I choosing things that I know are going to be like, am I overshooting my target 
and continually being disappointed in myself have I established realistic goals. Um, I firmly believe that as human beings, we were put on this earth, whatever you believe about the great beyond and like supernatural and, you know, spirituality. I don't know anyone in my life who is truly happy that isn't building something. And that doesn't mean like, I think that ascetics were probably very happy. Um, and they are, but they were building their mind. They were, you know, like constantly involved in some sort of internal exploration of Mm -hmm. their, their own motivations, both internal and external, you know, do we see that like the philosophy of it? Is that building something? Well, it's a little self-centered, but they're building something right. Mm -hmm. But in our culture, um, everything has been made so easy that nobody really has to build anything. And I think that if we are to look into ourselves that, you know, it's like, Hey guys, social media as a, you know, everybody's like, Oh, social media is terrible. I think social media is terrible because it's presenting to people a very unrealistic view of other people's reality. Yeah. So you see other people having what you want and you don't have any concept of what the path to that looked like, or even if what they're presenting is in fact the reality of their life. So, you know, and and because we create more and more virtual relationships that aren't us getting to know someone, even ourselves intimately, because we're presenting a false facade of who we are or because we're looking at other people's false facades, we're never really forced to touch the fact that like, hey, we are fat, lazy pieces of shit. Yeah. And um, like, I don't, it's not to encourage people to wallow in the aesthetics of it or you have to look a certain way or, or perform to a certain level. It's more like, hey man, like, are you happy? Uh, you want to do this thing. I, I'll use like a- outdoor activities as a pretty good example. Like people want to live a homestead life or they want to hike, you know, mountains or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and they go out and they buy, they're like, well, I was really tired the last hike I did. So I'm going to buy $5,000 of ultralight hiking gear because if I reduce my shoe weight by three ounces, I'll have more energy. <laughs> yeah. And and you're like, hey, man, get the fuck. Like, you are tired because you're out of shape. Like, yeah. You think you're in shape. You can justify it all you want. But if you don't like the way you were feeling at the end of that thing, well, maybe you should focus on your endurance. Uh, guys all want to learn how to do CQB. They're like, oh, man, we did this cool thing. Like, we play airsoft. We did. We cleared these houses. <laughs> we bought all this cool shit. Like we got all the gear, like airsoft is actually kind of rad. Don't get me wrong. I think it's cool. I like seeing guys being enthusiastic, but it's, it's paintball. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not real life. It's a game. It's a game. Yeah. And it's funny though, because like it's the meal team six thing, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of fat dudes that play it and they'll buy better guns and better gear and nods. And I'm like, Hey man, like if you're not, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not in shape, if you don't have a motor, like you're just a mobile gear point you're a gear issue point like if you think you are gonna be 
able to protect yourself. You're really like, you're a wandering little Walmart with some TNVC night goggles and some body <laughs> armor and some other dude who spent his time. You know, I mean, I think it's JJ Rakaza. Do you, do you know who JJ is? No, I don't know who that is. Who's that? JJ is a, he's a competitive shooter, probably one of the best in the world. I, okay. It may not, it may not be JJ. It is he be, like a three gun a, guy or just specifically like pistol or does he's a USPSA oh, okay, yeah. grandmaster, but he's also like, he, he'll shoot any class. Uh, okay. But I, I'm not sure if it's JJ. It, I might actually be thinking of somebody else. Either way, anecdotally, there is a <laughs> world-class competitive shooter who is a Filipino immigrant. Okay. And he grew up just dry firing. Like, he yeah. learned how to be a shooter with, like, an old Masa Nagant dry firing. Mm-hmm. And, like, he didn't have any tools. He didn't have any go-fast gear. But he is a wizard with fine motor skill stuff. I mean whether you can shoot or can't shoot based on your country's regulations, it's yeah. kind of irrelevant. What that really is, is a demonstration of fine motor skills, like your yeah. ability to, you know, intuitively do fine motor tasks without having to think about them because mm-hmm. you've gone through so many good reps. Um, but that dude put in the work, but people see it and they're like, well, if I got that fast, if I got a different open class gun, if I spent $10,000 on a pistol, yeah, I'd be as fast as you too. And you're like, Hey, put that dude on a clapped out Taurus. He's still beating you. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like he can have three malfunctions. He's still beating you. Yeah. And it's because he is, his mindset's right. He's put in the work. And he's, he's mastered the basics. Honest. Yep. And that's where it's like, hey guys, like he, and guess what else? He's in shape. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't. And you know, there's a few guys that are like, I mean, Dude, uh, Taryn Butler is example. the guy I was going to say where he's the definition of completely out of shape and probably going to have a heart attack, but the dude is a master at his craft. But you know what's funny about Taryn too is Taryn is actually a good example of what introspection in that looks like. Yes. Taryn doesn't have to be in shape. No, he doesn't. Because he's, he's actually spry. Like mm-hmm. he's surprisingly quick on his feet. He is. He's not going to run a marathon. But no. if it comes to go moving from one shooting position to another, oh, he, that fat man scoots, bro. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that guy gets after it. He puts in max effort yep. when you see him. Yeah. So I mean, he, and he's got really efficient body movement, yeah. and like you know, I mean, he's he's good at what he does. Um, but that's kind of like people that listen to Jocko Wilnick talk about waking up at you know four, four in the morning up before yeah. the enemy. And going to sleep at like, oh, I just don't need sleep. I don't need rest. Well, cool, man. If you were to if you were to really look at the people who biologically don't need sleep, it's a rounding error to zero. There <laughs> yeah. are there are people there are that people. exist. I mean, yeah. it's you know, it's but he's probably one the only in a thousand. One. Yeah, he's like the one. Uh, it's, guy. it's one in yeah. a thousand. So mm-hmm. statistically they exist. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell a guy, oh, it's not you, but statistically it's not you. Yeah. And so like if you think that there's an easy way. Like, well, I just do steroids. Cool. You know the guys that you clown on for doing steroids? They put in a lot of work. Even with steroids. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah, even with steroids. <laughs> even with they're steroids. still working yeah. their asses off. Yeah. Because for them, they invested money in a performance enhancement and they want to win. And they're doing a performance enhancement drug not because they want to be normal. They're doing it because they want to be fucking freaks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they want to be monsters. And they're putting in the work before they ever got into, you know, any sort of performance enhancement. 
and the performance enhancement just increases their ability to recover in between their the work. Yeah, between the work, exactly. Yeah. If they did no work and all they did was steroids, they would just be fat guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and, and like everyone's seen no those. Magic drug. Everyone's seen those guys at the gym where they're like, they may have big arms, but they have huge guts or like they're like really disproportioned. I'm like, yeah, that guy probably took a shit ton of gear and does arms. That's it. You mean you mean uh, powerlifters? Yeah, powerlifters. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's one of those things where, and I guess. I've talked a lot about how like we should level up our peer group. Yes. But I think it's important to note that like a lot of the time you'll gravitate towards a peer group that develops skills that aren't necessarily relevant in your life. So like CrossFit has always been a gateway drug. I like like when I came into soft CrossFit was the new like hotness and we yeah. integrated a lot of aspects of crossfit into what we do as tactical athletes um and then over time as i got smarter i realized that like um constantly varied isn't necessarily good for progression and so yeah i started to expand my understanding of fitness but crossfit still exists as an as the animal that it is as a multi-modality training thing that, you know, has gymnastics and powerlifting and Olympic lifting and, you know, a little bro lifting and some running in it. And across the board, if you do those things all together, you're never going to be excellent at any one of them. You may not even develop proficiency in any of them, but you will have like a decent amount of, of short focused general physical preparedness. Most people come and they do CrossFit for a few years and they realize, well, out of all the things we do in CrossFit, I like gymnastics or I like powerlifting or I like Olympic weightlifting. And they become so focused on that one thing and their body adapts to that. And so like you see guys that are like, you're like, damn, you work out five days a week, but you fat, bro. Like, like, like Louis Simmons, Louis Mm -hmm. Simmons is like one of the most physically impressive humans, (laughs) but (laughs) He is like he looks like a piece of shit. He looked like a piece of shit, right? Yeah, like he doesn't. He dude. doesn't look like he'd be aesthetic. But it's like it's like you said. I I like that you bring up. It's almost the gateway drug because you're right. People think that it's that CrossFit in itself is the the solution to whatever the problem is. And then, like you said, if you do it long enough, you realize you're either going to get injured, you're never going to progress to a high level in every category because it's too varied. Like there's too many things that you're actually being at versus being really good at a couple. And then, yeah, people really master the one thing they're good at. Or I know in my experience anyway, and again, in the Canadian military, I don't know how it was for you guys. When CrossFit became a thing and it was, it would, like got huge here, especially during the oh, GWAT, yeah. they had all the, the hero workouts, right? They named yep. them after the guys. And I know, again, my, like my regiment, my battalion, one of the first units I was in, we have two hero workouts named after two dudes in that building. And it was so normalized. And then CrossFit got so extreme where, and then it became a legal thing where Canada wasn't going to pay the rights for CrossFit. So they had to call them. They weren't even allowed to be called CrossFit gyms, dude, in Canada. They were like, um, I think they were tactical athlete is the term they came up with. Yeah. And then it was so extreme. It's, it, it's, um, it's like I said, I think I said at the beginning, because we talked for a long time before (laughs) this started. Most fitness is marketing. Yes. Yep. And, and like the better you market and it's, it's hard for us. Cause like, we're not marketing. I'm not marketing something sexy. I'm literally telling you, you cannot be good at all the things you want to be good at at the same time instantaneously. What you can do is going back to the seesaw, 
there is strength on one seat of the seesaw and there's stamina on the other. And what we need to do is we don't need to focus on, hey, uh, I need, it's like a scale where as a tactical athlete, it's the best representation of what I think all of our population should be building fitness wise, which is balance. Yes. And like, I know that if we were to really dive into fitness, we'd talk about a spider graph because there are so many different physical traits that are conflicting that you need multiple data points in a, in a ring. And you notice that like, it's not a, it doesn't actually look like a good spider web. Most people have like a very narrow, like it's like a, uh, it looks like an eggplant or something. Yeah. Right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's squashy. There, there's yeah. certain things that you're just terrible at. And yeah. there's other things you're, you're really good at. Good at. Those yeah. areas are big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like what we focus on at Softlead is the idea that generally speaking, being a strength biased athlete has its advantages for a normal person. There's almost nothing that we do in our day-to-day lives that you don't benefit from being stronger about. And that's longitudinally. Like as we get older, strength training it uh, you know form follows function. So strength training means denser bones. Um, it means you know higher muscle density, which is going to increase your durability and health as you age. Um, if and this is a, an aside, but I don't know the actual statistics, but I'm I'm reasonably certain that after the age of sixty five the chances of recovering from a fall, like you're the number one cause of death over the age of 65 is fall. Oh, it's falls. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, right? Like I'm never going to fall over and break my hip. (laughs) But also most people do like they get fragile, they fall over, they break a bone and their body's no longer capable of healing in a good way. And Mm -hmm. you know, they enter into this like downward spiral. But if you're focusing on muscle density, so while I say there's a balance between strength and stamina, and there is, everything we do is, is strength biased. So for us, the goal is to move the fulcrum. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're not stacking strength or stacking stamina necessarily. What we're doing is we're moving the, the fulcrum based on what your needs are. So at some point, you're going to be training your strength more. And your stamina will be in maintenance mode. So like, hey, you might not run a sub six minute mile during your strength training, but you're going to focus on maintaining a sub six minute pace on intervals so that you know what it feels like to be fast. Yeah. And then when you're done with your strength cycle of 12 weeks, you'll go into a rehabilitative cycle that's focused more on movement and unilateral reinforcement so that your body's patterns like when you're doing strength stuff with two hands, like standard deadlifts, back squats, your body's compensating for impingements or imbalances. Mm-hmm. And you may never notice it as an athlete, but that's where back pain, you know, shoulder pain, you know, limited range of motion starts to develop. Yeah. So then you need to be in a unilateral cycle, like something short, but that's focusing on split squats and like single leg, single arm things. And you're using your weak side as a limitation where it's like, hey, if I can curl 35 pounds with my left arm, but 70 with my right, we're still doing all of our rep schemes at 35 pounds because we want to build balance in the body. And when that's done, now, even though you hate running, even though you hate endurance stuff, I'm going to force you to do a 12-week endurance cycle where the focus is going to be on running, rowing, cycling, swimming, whatever – but 
we're also going to do strength maintenance. So instead mm -hmm. of just doing a marathon training cycle that's just high volume running, you know, five, six days a week, you'll run three, four days a week, but you're also going to have a couple of strength movements that aren't overstressing your body, but are maintaining the strength that you have. So like if you left your strength cycle with a 500 pound deadlift, I want you to be able to come back to a strength cycle in four months and have a 475 pound deadlift and be like, oh, well, I didn't lose very much, but you're running 10 miles at you know a 730 pace and you're like, oh, I, I've never strung 10 miles together. You know, like what happened? Well, you're focusing on balance and recovery and a, being a good general athlete. And what sucks is like most people who have an obsession with fitness, um, <laughs> unpopular opinion, most of the people who you look at who are really fit are probably recovering addicts of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like, yeah, like they get super hyper-focused on it or like it's an ADHD yep. thing or a mental health thing, or yep. like you said, a form of addiction. They're, they're so into that versus balanced. They're not balanced humans. <clears throat> and it's also funny because, and, and I, I, this is some, this is some like elephant in the room. Shit. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. That's why like, you're, I was going to say, that's why you're Doug the <laughs> Elephant Slayer. So it like it works out. <laughs> I, I actually, you know, uh, do you know Dan Plants, Cadre Dan from, yep. from Go Ruck? Yeah. He gave me the name Elephant is, Slayer. Is that where it came from? <laughs> he, yeah. He literally was like, bro, I love you. But he's like, every single time there's an elephant in a room, you roll in there with an elephant gun. <laughs> let's kill it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it, man. That's awesome. But like, I think that, it's funny because in 21st century America, we look around and we can identify every fitness chick who has an eating disorder. Oh, You're yeah, like, easily. oh, that chick, that chick has an eating disorder. That chick has an eating disorder. And increasingly, because men are becoming less muscle dense, mm -hmm. you can kind of identify eating disorders in men. But what I think is worth noting is that within the soft community, I have never seen more quote unquote self-assured alpha males that have unhealthy relationships with food mm -hmm. because they aren't comfortable with how they look naked. Yeah. And it's like, Hey man, you're a green beret. Like, what do you care? Like if you know, like it's not, a, and it's not, Oh, they're going and throwing up necessarily. It's that they starve themselves. They call it intermittent fasting yeah. or whatever. Um, but like, because they carry extra weight places, other guys don't, it doesn't matter that they're like top performers physically. They'll starve themselves. They will binge, uh, maybe not purge, but sometimes. Um, and they engage in like diet pills, fad diets. And like, none of that is healthy. None of that is like building a good, a good a balance good again. Foundation. Yeah. And it's why you see a lot of endocrine failure too. Like, this is some correlation, not causation stuff. So like, I'm not, I have no peer reviewed studies to back this up But within, <laughs> within our population. Historically, you've seen guys that went to ranger school and starved for three months or four mm -hmm. months, however long it took them to get through ranger school. And they get out of ranger school and they're super skinny and they're like, Oh, it's the greatest weight loss program ever. Let's go eat three pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> and they balloon up and then they wonder why they can't lose weight again. And it's like, because your cortisol levels are spiked you you have crazy endocrine issues tied to the binge purge starvation cycle mm -hmm. your lack of sleep is contributing to your body holding on to fat because it doesn't know when it's going to eat again and it's a vicious cycle where 
the more you see yourself in the mirror as fat, the more you do the unhealthy things, the more you obsess about it. And like, I will say this, like one of the things that drives us to be what we are or drove us when we were younger mm-hmm. was insecurity. Yeah. And that insecurity, it doesn't have to be looking for the affirmation of my dad anymore. Now I can look in the mirror and say, well, I don't like myself. Yeah. What is that? How do you get ahead of that? You can't. No, right? especially when that, it's normalized now culturally. Like you said, it's, it's so ingrained, right, in our society. And that's one reason why I think the way we come at training at Softly is so beneficial for like the population as a whole. Because I, I tell guys, like, look, man, a healthy body fat percentage for someone who wants to be good is uh, probably 8 to 15% as a male. And, like, that seems like a pretty big span, but, like, if you go below 8% body fat, like, if you look like a male model, uh, you're going to last, like, three hours in the field without food. So, like, if you want to do real work, if you want to split logs in your backyard or go on a hike, you better pack a snack. Yeah. (laughs) Because your body's going catabolic pretty fast because you just don't have natural fat stores. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're over 15%, we dive into the, like, point where guys are like, I really don't like the way I look. You know? Yeah. Okay, cool. But... But you need that extra body fat to, you know, to have a well-regulated, uh, you know, um, oh, the, I have these TBI moments, uh, <laughs> metabolism, yep. right? Where, you know, guys are like, well, if I just don't eat, then I'll lose the fat I don't like. No, man, if you just don't eat, you lose the muscle that you fought so hard for. Hard for. You've got to eat to fuel a normal system. Like, I can't. I can't take a Ferrari and put diesel in it and expect it to run right. I can't put no gas in it and expect it to drive forever. Yeah, it's just about and the balance again, like you said. And you guys yeah. are trying to like play both skills on on where and we're machines. Mm-hmm. We're fucking machines, and yeah. like you know, it's and so like a lot of guys will say, "Oh, it's just calories in, calories out." I mean. Yes. For some people, level. for some people, it's better than others, though. Like, just like we said, everyone's different, right? So some people it works, some well, people it doesn't. So not, until, yes, but I firmly believe that the reason it's different for people is about muscle density. Yeah, I would so agree like, with that. If you, and, and it's funny, too, because you look at the way we measure body, body mass index is, is a terrible measurement. Yeah, it's of, not it's not like a real representation. Yeah. No, no. I mean, if you look at it like me, I'm, I'm 5'9", 200 pounds. Um, I am obese. Yeah, according to the BMI. Standards. I know, yeah. And but then I'm according like, to me, sick. I'm like sickly some Auschwitz survivor because I'm, you know, six, yeah. I'm six, four and a half and I'm 222 pounds. But I'm like, I don't yeah, look so, like that. But we sit at the ends of bell curves, right? Yes. <clears throat> and so the things like like in body, like uh, the electrical resistance fat measurement stuff, mm-hmm. it it is pretty accurate in the middle of the bell curve. But for outliers, we're not getting good readings on our body fat. Yeah. But because we care, like we're like, well, my body fat matters. Well, yes and no. You don't need boy band abs to be in great shape. So like we put almost no focus on aesthetics in terms of like hey like there might be a little bit of ab work but it's like an accessory thing it's yeah. not you're mm-hmm. you're not gonna have an ab day yeah. um and what we're really trying to impart on people is that your performance gains are what matter not 
the aesthetic. And if your performance gains are are increasing and you're a well balanced athlete, the function the, the the form follows. You're gonna see changes in your body that you're happy with. But really by the time your performance gets good, you don't even care anymore. Because yeah. like if you're if you're beating the people that you look up to or if you're catching them, all of a sudden like who cares what I look like? What do I need to do to catch that dude like for good? Like mm-hmm. I just need to bump up my food intake because clearly I was underfueled. And that's the kind of attitude I want to see in guys. I'm like, hey, food, food's awesome. It's a great fuel. Like you should have, you should love eating. <laughs> you should never feel guilty about it. But also if you're overeating, over fat, under muscled, there's no amount of dieting that is going to get you where you need to be. You have to have muscle in your body to consume the fat, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and it's it's funny because people are like, well, keto worked for me. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's inadvertent caloric restriction, and you're forcing your body to consume fats and proteins and then discharge the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a practical diet for someone who isn't constantly monitoring their food. And for people who live regular lives, like you're going to have to eat some junk food. You're going to have to eat some processed shit. Like if you're in the military, you're going to eat at a dining facility. Yeah, or like you're gonna eat an MRE. Like, like you're yep. not gonna be that dude who's like, who in the field. I can't eat the rations because I'm keto. You know what I mean? Well, it's dude, and work. it's even crazier. You remember, like, so I when I went through selection, I remember that the common talk was eat everything, everything. in your MRE. Yes, like I'm like yeah, I remember they, downing salt packets. Yeah, I remember they like, did that with us too. Yeah, they're <laughs> like you got to consume everything. Yeah. And, it's because it's there and you should be eating it. And like, if you look at, we did a breakdown of MREs um, and like, it's crazy how little protein is in an MRE. Oh yeah, dude. It's, but, they're trashed. It is, it is carb and carb, sugar, yeah, and fat salt. central. Yeah, it's salt but and all that. Honestly, crap. if you're out and actively engaged and you're only eating two MREs a day in the field, like, oh yeah, you're going to, it's not bad. It's not you. bad. You're going to burn it. Yeah. Yeah. You just burn it as, as soon as it goes in. And I, I remember um, there was a guy, an ultra marathoner. When I first got into the army, I read a book, and it was called, um, I think it was called Slow Burn. Okay. Um, and the guy's name's Chris Carmichael. I'm pretty sure that was the name of the book, but it was basically talking about food as fuel. And this is a dude that's like an ultra marathoner who would like eat gas station pizzas. Oh, like trash while, food. While he ran, yeah, yeah. while he ran, <laughs> because his body's just. Just burn burn it through calories. You know, we can't all do that. But like I I'd never done ultra endurance stuff beyond the military until I got into cycling. Mm -hmm. And then when I started like riding a bike three or four hours at a time, you know, at first I'm like an hour and a half in and it's like I got hit by a train. Like you'd hit a wall and there's no amount of like fueling or drinking water that brings you back. And then I realized like, oh well, if I have a drink of water every fifteen minutes and I take a couple bites of food every 30 minutes, I don't hit a wall. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, shit. I've got to fuel the whole time. And when I started to think that way and develop a plan for how I was consuming calories in those kinds of efforts, I didn't cramp up. I enjoyed the effort. Like it actually was kind of fun. And But if I had been out there going, well, I'm going to ride my bike three hours a day because I'll burn 1,500 calories (laughs) or 2,000 calories and that'll get me looking the way I want to look when it's swimsuit season, bro, that's not healthy. And 
it's going to destroy you from the inside. So our focus on food and the app is like, hey, man, like, actually, I'll tell an anecdotal story. I had a guy who reached out to me. He was like, yo, I was on software programming for six months. I made huge gains, um, but I, I've hit a wall, and the training isn't, isn't helping me anymore. And I was like, oh, um, well, like, how are you eating? He's like, I'm using the nutrition plan. I'm like, oh, well, you're, you're at a level of compliance that most of our customers aren't. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> most know. people aren't doing both. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, well, tell me more. You know, like, um, what? So we have it. We have it simply set up where it's like, hey, what does your body type look like? There's like mm-hmm. six different images. Which one of these guys are you? And then, are you on? a bulking stage are you on a performance diet are you on a maintenance diet are you on a cutting diet or it's like a a lean and a cut there's like five different okay levels of like your caloric intake for your macro settings and he's like oh well you know like i really wanted to get abs and like i've been doing all this working out and so like i've been on um i've been on a cutting diet and i'm like "Mm -mm -mm, there it is all right well here's the deal switch from cutting to performance he's like well that's a lot of calories i'm like yeah dude we're gonna triple the number of calories yeah. that you're taking in and i guarantee you you're going to lose weight and he's like i don't believe it and i'm like well actually i don't think i said lose weight i said you're gonna lose fat mm-hmm. um and literally like he hit me up after his next training cycle and he's like man i never would have believed you <laughs> but I, I i simply switched from cutting to performance and he's like, I wasn't tired. I was able to sleep better. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, my workouts had energy again. All my lifting numbers started going up. And then, miraculously, my abs started to pop. He's like, I just did a DEXA scan, and I lost like 3% body fat in one training cycle when I'd hit a wall for three months before and was super demoralized. I'm like, food actually matters. If you're training, you should be eating. Yes. And if you're get if you're a bikini model or trying to do some sort of bodybuilding figure thing there are a million unhealthy tricks that go into that but now you're out of the functional athlete for practical living and you're into a sports specific training like methodology that really isn't healthy um and what sucks is our society as a whole has idolized that look but they don't have really have any idea what the consequences of that look are. And it's kind of like as much as Arnold is a, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of the model of bodybuilding, right? But Arnold like smoked dope, drank beer and freaking ate everything. And that's what fueled his steroids. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's like, Hey man, I can afford to, cause I'm on performance enhancements and I've got a good routine and a plan. But I'm not encouraging people to live their lives like that. I'm saying, hey, man, with the right hormone balance, the right sleep, a decent diet, not a perfect one, and a reasonably consistent training plan, you're going to be at a place in your life where you can do the other things you want to do. This week's episode is brought to you by FieldSeats.com. FieldSeats.com is an e-commerce, federally licensed firearms dealer. They provide virtual reviews on brand new firearms, and at the end of the review, they give away the firearm being reviewed to a lucky attendee. Each item reviewed is given away for free as part of their promotion for purchasing what they call a field review. 
Currently, they've got field reviews up ranging from $20 for a brand new Smith & Wesson M&P Shield 2.0 to $65 for a new Galil Ace Gen 2. Each review is limited to around 38 people, so your chance of winning the giveaway are so much higher. Use code STRONGMEN to receive 10% off your entire purchase at fieldseats.com. Be sure to check out their Instagram and Twitter at fieldseats if you want to go ahead and give them a follow and see what future items they have coming down the pipe. Thanks for your attention, and let's get on with this week's episode. Yeah, because again, you're you're balancing it by normalizing for people not in that in our community that performance based fitness is it can be normal for people versus chasing that toxic aesthetic look, which has been normalized culturally for the last forty years. When if you chase the toxic aesthetic look and you take three weeks off from the gym, oh, you fall off the handrails. Uh, you're never coming back. And and, and you and you feel like shit. You yeah, tell, I lost everything. Well, yeah. Well, I've been training consistently now. I mean, semi-consistently <laughs> for probably close to 20 years. I'd never been in a gym in my life before I joined the army. Like yeah, I was the same I, way. I, I was just sports before was, the army. Yeah. Yep. Sports and, and like, and working manual labor jobs. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's been really weird to me because my hobbies have now, my, my hobbies are much more physical than they ever were before. Mm-hmm. Things that I would have been afraid to do before. I might have a little, like, I'm afraid of heights. I got put on a mountain team. I love climbing. I do, I do it all the time because I basically did it so much that I'm not that scared of heights anymore. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I have an idea of what my abilities are, but I mean, I, I religiously climbed for like a year, a uh, year and a half. Uh, yeah. I, I, even, I, I mean, I even remember whenever you guys were really showing a lot of climbing videos on softly and it was you and like you yeah. guys released like, um, like like the kyber jacket, like the hoodie. And, and then you guys were really pushing the climbing thing. And I, for a while too, I got pretty big into climbing, but in like, in, um, in like bouldering and gyms, right? Like, yep. like I got really big into that. And I, I, I started to supplement that as workouts. Essentially. I'm like, I'm going to do this because it's not just lifting weights. It's more applicable. Three or four days a week. I was doing that too. I was Three or four days gym, a week. <laughs> or, yep. Or I was in, you know, I was on a rock face somewhere and I didn't lose any fitness because of that. Yeah. Like, my my fitness changed a little, but like when I decided to come back and get into the gym more, like I didn't like my body comp hadn't changed that crazily. My strength numbers weren't yeah. that far off. Um, you know, I had to refresh the running piece or the endurance piece, but like not crazy because I've been hiking gear in and out of places I wanted to hike. Yeah, and, or climb because and, it's performance you know, based again. That's the difference, right? Yep. Same thing with like when I got really into cycling. That, that was a freaking come to Jesus thing. <laughs> I was like, I was like 185 pounds and I wanted to be more competitive in cycling. And I was like, well, I'll just up my volume of like cycling and running and I'll lose weight. Cause usually when I start to run, I'll lose some weight because mm-hmm. I know when I lose weight with cycling, like you need like little guys do better. Right. Just yeah. Cause uphill climbs, all that mm-hmm. other stuff, like your, your effective power, it goes up the yeah. less you weigh. And so I was like, I need to lose weight. So I started cycling more and I gained like 10 pounds. Probably all on your legs, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, all posterior all, chain. Exactly. Like my, my ass looked like Cardi B. Bro. It was like, <laughs> I was like, what is happening? You're like, it's and, just your butt. Yep. 
And I was like, damn, dude. So like now I gotta like I really need to change the way I'm looking at it if I mm-hmm. care. And then I was like, well, I don't really care. It's performance like, got, again. I'm putting out more yeah. power. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not gonna be a competitive cyclist. Like yeah. you know, I'm never gonna yeah. stand on a podium. Yeah. But I still love riding a bike. So and I think one of the other things like that we we touched on but haven't really hit is that if you wanna have a good relationship with fitness and your own body, uh, variety is important. And training, like going into the gym just to look better naked, when you have lulls in your training and you don't look better naked, it really steals your motivation to want to be in yeah. the gym. Yep. And you have these depressive cycles where it's like, well, why did I do all that? I've lost everything I did. Like it sucks. But if you're training in the gym to, you know, be outdoors or try something new, even if you're not good at it, um, it puts a new light on your training so like Mm -hmm. don't don't just do one thing i mean unless it's your passion like guys who are just really amazing cyclists or you know whatever like swimmers i totally understand their passion for what they're doing because it's it's cathartic Mm -hmm. but if you're an average joe like if you're going to be a mile wide and an inch deep be a mile wide man yeah do all do all the things yeah try the stuff sign up for you know like a local soccer league and touch being a kid again, like play sports, enjoy it with other people, mm-hmm. you know, like freaking, if you don't know how to climb, cool, man, go to a climbing gym, tell people you don't know what the deal is. They will have a program to get you from the gym to outdoors because yep. climbers, the only reason you climb in a gym is to climb outside, Yeah, which is funny because in the 21st century, there's a ton of people that climb in gyms that will never climb outdoors. They yeah. just, don't care yeah and it's too much know, work they're missing the best part yeah it's too much work best part. or or again it's like they're just doing it to change up the pt cycle or it's just something yep. they can do on a date night which again i i really like dude how you bring up it's just it's not like people get really deep into what they like but if you again like you said you know a mile wide an inch deep and you touch tons of things and i've said this too before to tons of people that like yeah i'm pretty like i like pt i like working out it doesn't bother me but you know what i like more than going to the gym dude i like snowboarding a lot and I never feel bad if I'll go snowboarding for a week versus not do one pull up. I'm not like pissed off at myself. I'm not like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Can't perform. I'm like, no, dude, because it's like, it's like I feel good. I feel like I'm actually. Because you, know, you got out and you shredded for something. a week on a snowboard. Yeah. yeah. And you saw awesome shit. Yeah. And like, P.S., you were smoked at the end of every day. Every day. You're doing you, a thing that yeah, you like. Yeah, you, you sleep so good. I'm like, man, I don't need to go to the gym and like worry about the pull ups that like Doug from Soft Weeks telling me I'm not doing today. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm snowboarding. It's fine. Totally well, and, and that's one of the things like I don't I don't guilt people being active is a great substitute for being in the gym. Yeah. And so when guys are like, man, I've really been slacking off. I'm like, well, have you? Because mm-hmm. like I looked at your Instagram and it sure looked to me like you spent the last three months doing all kinds of crazy outdoor <laughs> stuff or you were deployed and you were like doing whatever. Like you didn't have time. Yeah. You needed to, in your environment. The most important thing was you know, don't drink after you have all your fun and get good rest because you are definitely smoking yourself with the fun stuff in between. Right. Yeah. And so it's really, and truthfully, it's like we talked about with the introspection and emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. It's that without being hypercritical, we should always kind of be evaluating where we are and what's important to us in that moment. And like, if what you're doing training wise, isn't, if it's if it's not benefiting or it's detracting from what you actually want to do, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like that's it. That's it. It's a hundred percent. And if if you don't think that soft lead is the best vehicle to get where you want to be fitness wise, I do. But <laughs> if you don't, then don't do it. Pursue the vehicle that is the best for you. However, on the same note. If you're not seeing the progress you want to see, or if you feel like you know, you're just going through motions, or you feel like you're pushing so hard you're getting injured, uh, reevaluate where you're at. Yeah. Am I on a good program? Why are the people that are telling me to do these things considered subject matter experts? Um, are they being honest with me, or did they just like? I, I will. I will. I usually do a really good job of not naming people that. I think do things in a crazy way. Okay. <laughs> but I will say this. Um, I actually really like Mark Devine. And I think that what he's done with seal fit is pretty impressive yep. in a variety of ways. But I think the idea for a long time, and I don't know if it's still like this. So bear in mind, a grain of salt here years ago when CrossFit was big, seal fit was kind of like the other side of that coin, yes. which was like, Hey, we're going to give you a three hour workout. And guys, who didn't like a 30 minute CrossFit thing, we're like, well, I need that. I need that more. I need more volume. And you're like, but do you? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It got pretty because popular us, work for us. A lot of guys got on the seal yeah. train. Yeah. Which is, I mean, a lot of that's aspirational. Yeah. Guys do it because they want to be fit like a seal. And you're like, hey, man, I'm pretty sure that most of the fat seals I see don't do these workouts <laughs> yeah or or like going back to what you said earlier if you're actually like deploying and doing your job i don't really have time dude for a three-hour workout in between i kind of have other things well, to do <laughs> that being said the most time i've ever had a, a, a caveat to that is the most time i've ever had to work out was when i was deployed yes and and and, ag- and the again only times yeah the only times i've ever been physically burned out from working out too much was on deployment. yeah because you had downtime yeah. and you have a gym available but I just mean, again, like, regardless of the military, some jobs, like, if you're that dude turning wrenches 14 hours a day, you probably don't need to do a three-hour seal fit workout at the end of the day. You could probably dude, do something and else. I mean, that's another thing. If you're in a manual labor job, um, like, you should really ask yourself, does it benefit you to stack a bunch of ass? It mm-hmm. doesn't always. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that, like, cowboys are wiry dudes. There's a reason that, like, you don't see a ton of, like, you don't see a ton of monsters in the oil field. You see a lot of big boys that can swing a wrench or swing a hammer, but like turn a wrench or swing a hammer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, these guys don't look like guys. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Most of them. No, hell no. And a lot of it's just because like they're working 18 hour days. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they need, they're also not prioritizing rest and sleep. And yeah. it's one reason why when they get older, they're very unhealthy. You know, that's, they're, this is a topic we don't even need to get into, but it's worth discussing, right? Like in our current society with all of the exposures we have, Mm -hmm. it's not a matter. And and since we all live longer now too, um, it's not a matter of if you're going to get cancer, the way cancer works, it's a matter of when When. you're going to get cancer. And the, the best way to mitigate the chances of you getting cancer or recovering from common cancers is being generally healthy, being well-rested, having a balanced endocrine system, having low stress hormones, you c- we can deal with all of those things. We, we look at soft selection and we think, oh, well, those guys are like that all the time. Oh, and no. it's like, yeah. 
no, man, like we're guys who are paid professionally to do a job that has a lot of downtime that we fill the white space with like cross training and, you know, language training and, you know, whatever else is cultural stuff. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, like we're lucky to be able to prioritize rest. We just don't because our culture has been toxic for years yeah. centered around alcohol and whoring and, you know, like it's seen as weakness that, again, like we said, yep. yeah, we can rest when we're dead. You know, yeah. You sleep when you're dead. Oh, yeah. cool, man. But like, <laughs> you're going to die soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, have you heard of those blue zone want... countries, Doug? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh. Uh-uh. So I was actually talking about this the other day and it's like kind of in the lines we're talking about. So I don't remember them all, but my girlfriend was talking about it. So blue zone countries or blue zone or countries. Cause there's one in the States. There's a city in the States of California. I don't remember where it is, but the blue zone st- uh, areas are areas demographically where people live over a hundred. Really? And they researched everything and it's PT is a big part of it, but diet and stress are the, are like two thirds of it. It's also weird because in a developed world, like we're in a real catch 22 and this is another topic for another time. Cause we're like, mm-hmm. you know, really deep into this, but, um, I firmly believe that one of the reasons that well, there's a couple things that mm-hmm. I firmly believe that are only semi-supported by science. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that the Northern Hemisphere is responsible for more growth and gains than anywhere else because we're exposed to hardship, because of cold weather, yep. because we had to actually hunt. Mm-hmm. Like, it created a culture of people that, like, were used to adversity. And if you look at sub-equatorial uh, civilizations uh, they have lived in essentially a lush paradise for a very long time where most of everything that they needed was provided by nature they didn't have to farm or yeah. hunt necessarily because there's there's bush meat and there's you know a tree of mangoes out back <laughs> i just walk out and you know we don't have crazy inclement weather we have a rainy season a dry season and it's just easy for us to be subsistence people. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we didn't have to get in a longboat and travel to some godforsaken island and pillage their people to bring wealth back to our yeah. freaking fjord, you know? And then there's also the fact that we've industrialized protein intake in the in the first world, which I know is not a popular phrase in the, in the Western <laughs> In the Western developed world, world yep. <laughs> the politically correct we, answer. We, so and it's a double-edged sword there because industrialized protein has so many toxins in it. Like, oh yeah, they've made us bigger and stronger and developed better brain growth. I mean, honestly, like industrialized protein has made us. It's it's increased our our uh, our intellectual capacity as well as our physical, mm-hmm. and that's all great. But when we're really talking about it, it's weird to think that like when you and I go to like developing countries and we eat off the local population, Mm -hmm. almost all of my maladies, like, you know, like I have bouts of diarrhea and like, like inflammation from Western foods. But if I go eat goat and like local raised vegetables and almost any other like, you know, mid income country, uh, all of that goes away. Yeah. And it's, it's not like I'm eating – I still eat desserts. I still drink coffee. I still have, like, uh, some alcohol off the local population. But none of the, like, skin conditions or, like, itchiness or, you know, um, just any of the stuff that normally affects us allergy-wise is really 
uh, happening in places outside of industrial areas. I mean, the other catch is in the developing world, air pollution is such a reality that it's it's a it's a weird thing where like, okay, cool, well the food's cleaner, but I have to breathe in all these other toxins from people burning trash and whatever else all the time. So it's kind of a it's a weird thing, right? Like Afghanistan and Iraq are not good examples of eating clean and feeling better. Yeah, like <laughs> I know, I've like, never seen so much smog as Afghanistan or the trash on the side of the road that the local animals are eating. Then we're eating the goat later. You know what I mean? I'm like, what the hell is happening? I'm like, this is not <laughs> the best place. Yeah, but I mean, even then, like you know, we talk about you know there's a lot of really abnormal cancers developing in our population yeah. from exposure. So things that we see, but um, and these countries but, never get, so it's, it's like you said, it is a catch 22. It's well, a weird thing. It's worth noting that they don't have the medical expertise to tell what is killing them. Hmm. Their life expectancy is dramatically lower. Yeah. Those people are dying of the cancers that are killing us too. There's just nobody, there's to nobody to tell them. On it. Yeah. 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 Um, but again, the, the number one way to protect yourself from a lot of these modern illnesses is just being fit. Yeah. I mean, and normalizing COVID, it. So it's a day to day thing. It's not an abnormal COVID's thing. A, a great example, right? Like what the, the mortality rate in people who are physically fit is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people like, well, this guy was a perfectly healthy 40 year old who died of COVID. And you're like, was, was he, he healthy? healthy? Yeah. Though? Like, was he actually, yeah. when we look at him? Yeah. And, and, you know, if we look at it, that to wit, the whole like lack of musculature where it's like, no, we don't have a fat problem. We have a lack of muscle problem. Mm -hmm. Um, if you look at the, the way we gauge health now, um, as, so I, I had pretty broad scale endocrine dysfunction at the age of 32, which is young. Mm -hmm. Um, but stress hormones, um, living conditions, toxic exposures, my lead levels were hugely exa- uh, elevated. Yeah. Um, I had terribly low tests. And I remember when I first got on testosterone replacement therapy, my numbers were like double digits. And the scale of normal was like 220 to 1200. Yeah. And over the course of the last 10 years that I've been on TRT, the normal scale of what normal average men from 18 to 80 have for testosterone has continued to slip left. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, now like normal high is like a thousand, like a, a high normal is a thousand low normals. Like actually I think it may have been 300 to 1200. Yeah. Now it's like 200. I think 1, it's 200 to a thousand. Cause I got mine tested recently too. Cause I'm like mid thirties and I was curious and they said I was like low normal, but I'm like, but am I though? No. Like, is that healthy? Is that a normal range? Wait, that's the thing is, and this is again, another topic for another <laughs> time, but a normal range for 18 to 80 year olds. What the f- is that? Mean? Yeah. Like that's such like, a huge range. Like I'm, I'm clearly huge, like yeah. in the middle somewhere. I'm like, why is it so drastic? And even, even that number, we, like 300 to a thousand, that's huge. That's a huge range. But we never, and, and we never took a baseline for individuals when they were in the middle of puberty. Yes. So what is normal for you? Like no idea. These yeah. are the things that because it's a, in, it's a, it is an endemic problem. It's like, Hey, uh, we should start testing 18 year olds mm-hmm. because then you have a baseline. Well, when you were 18, you had a total testosterone count of like 1200, but now you're 40 and you don't feel good. And your testosterone is 200. 
let's do what it takes to get you back up to a thousand or eight hundred where you're more normal. Like we know your numbers are gonna come down from the time you're eighteen to the time you're forty, naturally. It's normal. But why are we including the numbers of eighty year old men in a normal range of testosterone and then saying that you as a thirty five year old guy have the numbers, the testosterone numbers of an 80-year-old man, and that's totally okay. It's not totally okay. Yeah. It's literally the number one hormone that contributes to recovery, muscle growth, uh, and sanity. Like, yeah. I was losing my mind double-digit <laughs> testosterone. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally couldn't remember where I was driving. Uh, my ADHD was just, like, through the roof. You know what's crazy? My ex-wife told me that my ADHD was ruining our marriage. But it's probably um, your testosterone levels. At the time. Well, I, I, the test the test really did help. Yeah. After that, she was like, your ADHD is still terrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, okay. Um, I went and I got diagnosed with ADHD. I have a lot of the standard stuff, and I was taking Adderall for a while. And it didn't negatively affect me in a lot of ways, but, I mean, it wasn't always something I wanted to be on. Like, it's like yeah. there are times where I'd be like, well, I don't really need this and whatever. But if I was ever in any situation that was stressful or required me to focus – I needed to be on some Adderall. I did a sleep study for the VA mm-hmm. and found out that I have moderate sleep apnea. I got a CPAP. Um, my oxygenation levels were dropping down below 80% like three or four times a night. Oh, man. My SpO2 levels, yeah. which is like contributes to like early organ failure yeah. or a bunch of other stuff, right? Dude, I've been using a CPAP machine religiously for probably two and a half years now. Um I haven't taken Adderall in, I don't know, two years. and Because your I sleep's regulated. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I wake up refreshed. I remember most of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I use a day planner because I'm generally a pretty disorganized person. But, like, um, in modern medicine, in, in our culture, we assume that science slash medicine has a cure for everything. Like, mm-hmm. if you have a problem, we got a pill for it. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. I know how, I know that in my body testosterone occurs naturally. Growth hormone happens naturally. I know what a normal level should be, sort of in a range. No one's ever told me what a normal naturally occurring level of Prozac or Adderall is, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, you guys have a Prozac shortage. We should fix that. Yeah. Said no one ever. ever. <laughs> but the second <laughs> The second that you tell somebody like, hey, um, I feel lethargic. I'm holding on to body fat I don't want despite working out. My dick doesn't work like I want it to. And I feel I feel sad. They're like, oh, here, take this Prozac. It will make your dick work less. You'll probably get fatter. But we can fix the sadness by just turning off all your emotions. Yeah. And you're like, is this actually solving an issue? Or are we just making another issue to mask one issue? Um, and I tell you like the same, I mean, fitness is obviously from my perspective, the number one building block here, sleep being the number one building block yeah, of fitness, of fitness. Yeah. But like, if, if you don't feel right, like if anybody's listening to this podcast and they're like, damn, that's me. Hey, the power to fix it is in your hands. And you're going to go to your doctor and you're going to say, hey, I feel this way. And they're going to say, cool, take these antidepressants. And it's on you to be your own advocate and say, hey, I am familiar with the difference between feeling depressed and being depressed. I feel depressed right now because the things that I love in my life aren't 
they are not coming together despite my best efforts. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because of other things. Can we get tests run? And most doctors reluctantly or enthusiastically will order the tests you want. And then it's up to you to say, hey, I know I'm within normal range here, but I am low normal and I don't feel good. Can we experiment with a variety of ways to boost my testosterone or, you know, is it possible for me? Like another thing I tell guys, like if your testosterone is low, uh, you don't always need TRT. For me, I was tanked. I tried a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried, you know, Clomid, some other ways to like reboot my system. And anything, if my diet, sleep and exercise were dialed in, I would be great like low middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime one of those things suffered at all, I'd just tank and I'd start forgetting everything. My brain would be mush. So like I've, I've kind of come to terms with the idea that I will be on some sort of exogenous testosterone for the rest of my life just because it's, you know, a result of the way I live my life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, most people don't need that. Most people it's like, Hey dude, um, change some things in your life to sleep better and then go get tested again in two months. And see how you feel. But I guarantee you, if you're getting good rest, I guess, like, well, I just can't go to sleep. And I'm like, are you drinking? Well, a little bit. Stop. <laughs> and stop drinking. Like, I know that it seems like a terrible thing, but like, do you dip? Oh, yeah. Don't worry. It's a, it's a vasodilator. It's making your recovery harder. It's like, it's hurting a variety of things in your life. Um, like, it's increasing your blood pressure. Yeah. All things. Like, stop that. Um at least to see if it's what's causing your problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, most most modern autoimmune disorders are addressed pretty directly with um, elimination diets. Like, well, is it really a disease or is it a condition or what? If, if you know that what's causing it is something that's in your food, it's not really a disease, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's your body's reacting to something that it doesn't like. Um, so like you got to figure out what that thing is and you got to eliminate it. And like if your testosterone's low, I can tell you that if you're getting less than 8 hours a night of sleep, every hour of sleep less than 8 hours a night that you get for most people is reducing your natural testosterone production by like 5 to 15% depending on the subject. For every hour, which is significant yep. when, when dudes are getting three to four or whatever yep. the case is. You're getting three is. to four yeah. hours of sleep and yeah. like your body is producing 60% less testosterone. And then if you're already low, it should be. like we said, if you're already low for whatever other factors, that's why you're in single digits or double and digits. Dude, <laughs> you know what drives guys to go to the doctor? Like you can be fat, crazy, uh, lazy, whatever. In the end, the thing that drives most dudes to go to the doctor is when their dick stops working. Yep. And it's like, hey, uh, by the way, the chicks that you were with can tell you that they like the dad bod all you want. But <laughs> like the reality is, yeah, like it was kind of a blessing to you that your dick wasn't working as well as you wanted it to because the chick you were with was not that into f-ing getting it anyway. Yeah. So like, here's the deal. Don't don't let the dick be the thing that like measures where motivates you, need to be. you to take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if you start to feel like something is wrong, take ownership of your own health. Go to a doctor. And honestly, if you're not on a health insurance, I, I will say this, and it's kind of funny, but like there's there's a lot of clinics 
that are run by doctors and a real doctor listening to this is going to like all over <laughs> what I'm about to say. Um, but like if you're a general practitioner, if you're a family doctor, if you don't have a family doctor, like if your general practitioner is not willing to play ball with taking a holistic approach to you addressing your own health, like, hey man, you got a check engine light that came on. The mechanic's not just going to tell you, oh, that check engine light, we'll put tape over it. Yeah, They're going to be like, we're going to fix a thing. If your doctor says, let's put tape over your check engine light, you, you get your doctor. Need a doctor. Yeah, 100%. But also, there's a whole variety of quack doctors out there. And I apologize to the quack doctors <laughs> and the real doctors in this phrase. But the anti aging clinics have more experience with treating these feelings than really almost most endocrinologists. Like guys who are supposed to be good at this mostly because there's not a lot of good studies on it and they've been experimenting with live humans <laughs> for for years and if you can't if you can't get on health insurance go to an anti-aging clinic um it's not cheap but i can't put a price tag on what it feels like to feel good and healthy and those doctors even if they're a quack clinic are still going to go through the exact same gates that your regular doctor would go through, but they're willing to do more holistic hormone therapy. So like if you go, like my regular doctor only prescribes me testosterone to get my numbers right. My doctor's not willing to prescribe HCG or anything that would keep me producing sperm if I wanted to have more kids. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people shy away from TRT because they're like, well, I'd still like to have kids. And you're like, cool, well then be on HCG too because it keeps keeps that count up in check. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, um, you know, like your regular doctor is going to be like, well, we don't want to mess with hormones like that. Your endocrinologist probably isn't going to want to do it either. But if you go to an anti-aging doctor, they're going to be like, we have a therapy here. You're going to be on these three things. They're all naturally occurring. But basically, we'll keep your fertility up and we'll get your testosterone up. And we still need to check your numbers quarterly before we write you another prescription that you pick up at your pharmacy, just like you did from your regular doctor, we want to make sure that your numbers are all within norms. They're all going to like, they're going to run all your cholesterol and everything else. And they, they don't want to kill you. You're their patient. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they may not be able to run a regular practice, but that doesn't mean that their knowledge in this field is, is zero. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that does make sense. And, and like, I think it's, um, it's a good way to look at it. Like we said, like holistically where people, people just think this is the norm. They're like, this is what everyone else is saying to do. My doctor's not agreeing or, Oh, if I get the quick fix and that, and that's what I mean, man, is like fitness is the same thing with this whole, this whole problem that, um, again, Western culture or Western societies having where they don't want to put in the work. They don't want to put in the effort. They don't want to like figure out, okay, it's fitness. Okay. It's sleep. Okay. It's I'm actually low in testosterone or, Oh, Hey, I need to get blood work done. I need to like see where I'm at. Whereas like you said, if you go to the mechanic, you're not just going to say, hey, check engine light came on. What's the fastest way to get rid of that engine light? They're going to want to fix yep. it. But people don't want to review this in the whole picture. And again, I'm not on anyone listening or people who have come up with excuses or been lazy or just don't want to get after it. It's 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 been normalized in society. And that's what I mean is in the big picture, uh, Doug and Softly, you guys are trying to normalize the solution, which is, okay, look at fitness as your baseline, no matter what you're doing. You don't have to be a soft operator. You don't have to be a SWAT dude. You don't have to be a firefighter. You could be a normal human male or a female, human female, whatever you are. You're like, I want to not be a piece of my kids. 
So I probably need yep. fitness as a baseline or I want to be, I want to be a normal piece of, or I want to be a normal dude with my kids, but I have an actual issue. Okay. Maybe I need to see a doctor. Maybe I need to address it. Well, and it's, it's also worth noting, right? There's a lot of dudes out there that are trying really hard. They work out a lot and they're not getting ahead of it. And it's yeah. because their problem is sleep yep. or, you know, it's, and I think the default for people, like they start working out and they're like, well, it's not working. It's my diet. Cause you know, every trainer's like, well, you can't outwork a bad diet. Nope. That's a lie. You can outwork a bad diet. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you can't. like I've muscle, literally done it. Muscle... I've done it for years. Yeah. I, I could feed McDonald's yeah, in my body and show up to work and don't perform dudes. I'm like that's bull. I could do it. A hundred percent. And it's because though we have muscles. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because our body is functioning. Like we'll burn any fuel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can throw paper, pine, hardwood on my fire i'm gonna burn it yeah right um a lot of other people their bodies are already so confused that they can't really process all the fuels efficiently so like if you're currently if you're currently following a sensible workout plan and you convinced yourself that you just look this way or you just feel this way because this is how you are and that is depressing yeah that would depress me too bro yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so like think about this it's not natural to feel bad. No. When guys are like in the in the soft community, dudes are like, oh, well, on a scale of one to ten, how much pain are you feeling right now? And guys are like, well, I don't know. Like I always feel pain. Is yeah. that normal? No, that yeah, and they're like, like that shouldn't be the normal no. answer, dude. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it is not normal. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is and I can speak to this. I've literally I've done things career wise. I've made life choices where every morning I woke up and I felt like my feet were bricks or my Mm. knees were swollen or like, I'm like, God dang, dude, I am getting arthritis at 35 years old or whatever. And I will tell you at at 41, almost 42, I train smarter than I've ever trained, but I train more um, and I'm more active and I'm in better shape. And you know, what's funny. I wake up and I don't hurt. Like I don't, I, I don't go to bed at night exhausted and achy i go to bed tired sometimes but like i wake up in the morning and i am i've slept well yeah i'm in i'm reinvigorated i get out of bed and i have pep in my step and if i start to hurt it's because something happened i'm like hey weird my joints hurt oh i bet i have lyme's disease because i got bitten by a tick (laughs) and then i'll get on an antibiotic cycle and i will feel good again yeah and like the human body was not designed for us to feel bad our entire lives. If you feel bad every day, that is your body's check engine light saying, hey man, what's up? And obviously, if you have serious mechanical injuries, like if you broke your back or you have, you know, like reconstructive surgeries that you didn't do adequate PT for, like, yeah, you're going to hurt in those places. But there are ways to break up the scar tissue that's causing pain. There are ways to like, do small, simple physical therapy exercises that bring you back to a functional level. And when it comes to like back surgeries and things, uh, this is, I mean, invasive back surgery is far too popular. Mm-hmm. And I like tell guys all the time, like you guys should be advocating for an orthoscopic solution to your back injury because they exist, but the way that they're billed through insurance, it's not incentivized it, it's one of those things that's a last resort. Okay. They'll do an open surgery before they do an orthoscopic one. Obviously. Just because, just because of insurance purposes. It's been like normalized yep. now. Yeah. Yep. 
<clears throat> and then they'll do more damage than they do good, and then they'll go back in and try to fix it with a less invasive version. Yeah. Which I mean, like now we're like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um, but again, you know, people are like, well, I've got bulging discs, I can't deadlift anymore. I'm like, um, well, that's is it. Do you have bulging discs in flexion or extension? Where are they bulging? And also, your discs are bulging because you have an imbalance in your musculature that has allowed your body. <laughs> Like you've lost your core bracing and therefore your structural dampening has failed you mm-hmm. and it's not blown out. You don't need a fake replacement disc, but you do need to work on the imbalance and get your bones back into the right alignment. And you can like the bulge will go away. The body will heal itself. It doesn't mean to stop moving or exercising. Like the, the term motion is lotion movement is medicine those those phrases mm-hmm. they are real yeah and when we stop exercising we start hurting <laughs> you know like yeah it's and it's like we said it's just trying to get back um culturally that this is normal this is normal to be in motion this is normal to again it's not task driven where you're like i'm on a special forces team i'm like no you're you know playing catch with your kids you're going for a hike with yep. your dog you're doing whatever the task is and again in this and this weird, like, prepared culture bullshit, especially with Instagram, where people think they're, like, preparing for the apocalypse. I'm like, most of you people can't walk four miles. I don't know what well, apocalypse you're preparing for that you think you're going to live. Just, let's just put it this way. I, I bought land, and I built a house on it, and I have visions of homesteading. And one of the things that I have discovered doing everything on my own is, first of all, like, I don't have a tracker. There's a lot of things, like, I need to do that I haven't done that will make my life easier. But I've rapidly learned I have very sketchy power out here in the country. Yep. So, like, the wind blows wrong, I lose power. Um, you know, if I don't have the ability to fuel a generator, uh, I'm going to be without power. And that means I'm going to be without meat and the food that's in my refrigerator. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to build a smokehouse. <laughs> and then I start thinking about the fact that, like, the priorities of work for our ancestors were very different than they are for us now. Yes. And fitness is important. A hundred percent, not denigrating that. What I am saying is by the time you get to be, when you get to the point where you need to be prepared, most of the preparations that you thought were important in the 21st century aren't going to be important. Yes. And if you suddenly have to get in shape while you're building a smokehouse, yeah. while you're figuring out how to like, you know, split enough wood to keep yourself warm through winter manually because you don't have a hydraulic splitter anymore, <laughs> you don't have gas to run it. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're going to wish you were already in shape because you run out of time and you just don't have the labor force. It's why we used to do community barn raisings because you can't do it by yourself. And yeah. you knew that you needed to help your neighbor because you, you're, your neighbor is going to help you. And really and truthfully, I think the biggest thing we've lost in our digital age, we've become, we become so self-sufficient because everything is so easy. We become so isolated from others. We don't even really know what a sense of community is. And I think the reason that people are attracted to soft romantically isn't because we're superhuman or because we're like accomplishing these amazing things. It's because we're kind of one of the last vestiges of of earned community mm-hmm. where there's work expectations that are laid out for you. And if you don't do them, you're not part of the community anymore. You're you're excluded. 
we've created a, like one of the last real fraternities of people that do. Um, and people are jealous because they don't know how to recreate that. They, you know, they're on a fantasy football team or they're in a Bible study at church or they've joined a rugby team. And one day a week they go through the motions of what it's like to be in a community with no real obligation to anyone that they know and no expectation that if they suck, someone's going to be like, hey, man, you don't really have a place at this table anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, again, because it's so it's so normalized to pursue or want this lifestyle for people who have never had a taste of it. Um, again, it goes back to they just they'll buy a slice of it to be like, I can buy this piece of gear. I can buy this piece of equipment. I can take a photo with my buddies on Instagram with my night vision in the bush and be like, we're doing this or whatever. But like you said, it's it. And I agree 100% Doug. It is the last sliver of like earned um, accomplishment and earned manhood. And like, you're part of a tribe, you're part of something that matters. And if you don't perform, if you're not part of that group, they'll kick you out. You're no longer part of it and they'll ditch you. But in this, in this digital age, it's, it's very easy for people who never had a taste of it to, you know, gravitate towards it because, it, like you said, it's sexy. It's like romanticized. It's uh, well, it's something that's normalized. I'll make a parallel. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a parallel that might be jingoistic, but I'm assuming you don't have a lot of Arabs listening. To this, uh, <laughs> no, no. But in the 21st century, we have become digital Bedouins. Mm-hmm. We we have an identity that is self created, most ba- based mostly on. Um, what we were born into yeah not what we what we've earned or created yeah and therefore if there is a problem or like if if a well runs dry or we don't have food resources or whatever uh, and i use those as analogies for like if we piss somebody off in a digital community we just migrate to a different community yes (laughs) you move you 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 switch you you switch different friends yep yep and and it seems like it's like you go through a period of loss where you're like, well, those people were my real friends. No, they weren't. They were your fake friends on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that's a lesson I had to learn in soft early was there's a difference between drinking friends and real friends. Yeah. And like, if you haven't worked with somebody, if there haven't been very clearly established criteria, expectations and deliverables, you can't say that somebody's a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, you can, it's like what we I said earlier. For 15 years. Yeah. And then I tell people all the time now, people are like, Hey, what about so-and-so? I'm like, Oh man, I've known him 15 years. We were never on a team together. Yeah. We never had to work together. He's a great like associate. He's a great friend, but I don't know what he's like to work with. I won't vet a guy that I haven't worked with anymore. If I haven't done something with him, I'm never going to be like, Hey, he's a great guy. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like you're gonna have to figure it out on your own, but I won't rep a dude that I haven't worked with because people are unreliable. Yeah, and and again, it's just totally normalized. And like I used to say that in uh, in both the military and like the law enforcement side, when people would ask or like, "Hey, man, that dude's good." I'm like, and I would default to, "Why? What can he do? What can he do that makes him good? Is he is he cool to drink with? Is he cool because you play hockey with him outside of work?" Is he cool because he has like a ranch or something? I'm like, I'm like, can he do his job to an efficient standard that even if I hate him morally or ethically and I don't like him as a human being, can he do the job that I need him to do? Because then I'll then I'll agree with you that he's good. But again, it's been totally yeah, normalized mean, that my answer is in, like toxic. In fits. Yeah. Yep. Right. Where people well, don't want to hear funny. that. It, it's uh, I it's it's crazy. I mean, we could talk we could talk for another two hours about it, but look. Dude, 
I want to have you on again eventually. Like, I want to have you on again, dude, because this could go on for a bigger picture than just fitness. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, yeah, I think you brought up the mental. I don't want to say mental health because like, like mental health has that negative word of implication that, you know, people have a problem. But I think the mental fortitude would be the way to explain it, that changing people's mindset in this view of what's toxic and what's not is on, honestly, I'll argue it's as important as fitness. Normalizing that should be the same. Well, I think that in a lot of ways, and I mean, obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't. I, and also, there's probably a benefit because I don't have a vested interest in selling a product. <laughs> yeah, for mental health. <laughs> But I mean, I'm definitely not the person that's like, oh, you're feeling depressed. We'll work out through it. Like Tim Kennedy said that one time and like took a f-ing shellacking. Like yeah. hey, people were pissed. And I'm like, look, man, we now know that depression is not a chemical imbalance. Uh, we've long suspected that depression is actually just a function of your environment. Mm-hmm. And the real thing is that in our society, we've taken people's autonomy about controlling their environment away from them. And we've made people into professional victims. We've rewarded people. Like there is social capital in being a victim now. Yeah. And people wallow in the fame of victimhood. And I'm like, hey, man, that's cool. I'm glad you found something. But also, wouldn't it be greater if you just weren't a victim? Like, wouldn't it be greater if you were able to wake up in the morning and not seek identity in the bad things that happened to you, but tell stories about the bad things that happened to you and how you managed to either choose to not have them be important in your life or move forward into a place where you are no longer a victim of other people's actions or your own choices. Like, And it's not to victim blame or say that people aren't victimized. It's to say that, like, I mean, if we wallow in the things that are bad that have happened to us or the things that we haven't accomplished, we will never be fulfilled. But if we look and go, hey, a uh, bad thing happened to me. I would like that to not happen again. How do I go about eliminating that from happening? Um, also, I haven't accomplished things that I want to accomplish in life. Um, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Does that mean that I – do I need a degree to make what I want happen happen? Or is a degree a waste of time for me? Should I take the money that I would spend on college and invest it somewhere else? Um, the time, you know, what, what do I really want? And frankly, like when I came out of my marriage, uh, people were like, well, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have what you want, which is like the rote, like the generic answer that like everyone says. Chicks chicks are like, oh, you deserve to be happy. Okay, cool. Well, also, I can't look you in the eye and say, I know what I want because I've accomplished almost everything that I wanted in life. Mm -hmm. And when people are like, what do you want? I'm like, I do not know. And it's okay to say you don't know. But when you say you don't know, you have to ask yourself, are you content with having what you have? I mean, for me, the answer is yes. Like, I mean, obviously I'm hungry and I always want more, (laughs) but I'm genuinely content. Like softly, it's funny. Um, when I went to college, I went to college at a place that a lot of, uh, esprit de corps, uh, I went to Texas A&M, right? Okay. So like there's a big, big thing surrounding being an Aggie. Um, and when I finally graduated after I'd got kicked out and went and worked in the oil field. <laughs> uh, when I finally came back and graduated, it was one of the proudest moments of my life. And I wore my Aggie ring everywhere. And then I joined the army and I got selected to be an SF. And suddenly like, I didn't wear my Aggie ring that much anymore mm-hmm. because the, the fraternity of special forces was like a much bigger accomplishment yep. to me. Like I gravitated towards a more select group of people. And I was much more proud of that accomplishment. 
And then, you know, like being a dad, like the biggest thing that's ever happened to me is being a dad. Like, and I have tons of identity in that. And I see so many people that are still hung up on a previous accomplishment or accolade. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That they, they miss the best thing that's happening to them. And it's like, yo, bro, like you're missing the coolest thing ever watching a little human that you created that is growing up and mimicking everything that you're doing. You're teaching them that they're not a priority. If you're prioritizing a thing that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And it's one reason why I say fitness is so important. And I hate to kick the, you know, dead horse or whatever, but like fitness is always going to be important. Yeah. Like, like no matter being able to participate, do the things you want to do. That's always important, but it's a skill level one task. It's the kind of thing that if you don't have it, like you can't really do a lot of other stuff. Yeah. It should be the baseline for everyone, no matter what the task. Yep. And, and never be so absorbed in the thing that you thought was important that you can't move on to something else. And we talked about like, you know, vets are like, well, I hate the transition away. I miss it. Yo, bro, you, you got lucky and you hit the easy button. You joined an organization. that was a closed institution, much like a prison (laughs) and very much like prison. (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're forced into this, this tight environment where you trauma bonded with a bunch of other guys going through the same experience that you're going through. You guys shared hardship together and even though you hated it in the moment, like in a lot of ways, it's a type two fund. It's the kind of thing that like in retrospect, you're like, damn, that was pretty cool. But you can't live that forever. It's like being a heroin addict. Yeah. Like the first high was rad, but every other high after that is less and less and less. Yeah. But you're surrounded by better drugs. Like, you know, pursue the next thing and and don't let your obsession with the thing you thought was cool in the rearview mirror detract from the reason, I mean, we talked about it, you're like, I, you know, I got a divorce out of my service, right? Well, I definitely prioritized everything but my relationship with my wife. Like, I prioritized my kids over my relationship yeah, with my wife because I, I took for thing. granted that we were in a, we were in a pact, mm-hmm. we were in this together, and she was gonna do her thing, and I was gonna do my thing, and like, even if we didn't like it, we'd figure it out, mm-hmm. and. In the long run, it's not the case. And I've really had to weigh with myself. Like, do I want to be in a partnership with, you know, another person? Like, I enjoy being on my own. I have a really great group of friends that support me and I support them. And, like, that's very rewarding. And I don't really have the bandwidth to offer a romantic or emotional connection to another person in a way that they would want. Um, And if they – if I am – they kind of have to meet me. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, hey, uh, we're both going to make sacrifices here. But that's why it's like, hey, when you decide, like, when you, if, if you want to get married and have kids, that's awesome. But don't let that be your identity. You. Yeah. Well, no, you can you can let that be your identity. Mm-hmm. But don't let the single, your previous identity shouldn't interfere. Oh, with your, your with new one. Yeah. Your current mm-hmm. one. And you should always be open to change and evolution and being like, hey, man, like um, like this thing that I'm doing, like I maybe I'm not investing in it enough and it shows and it's not it's not their fault. It's mine. And so many people are like my ex-wife, like we refer to it as that went crazy, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, well, hey, homie. First of all, there's two options here. One, you did a really poor job of choosing a partner 
and that person really was crazy and they were always crazy, um, which is at least a partial negative reflection on your ability to choose a partner. Or uh, you participated in a toxic relationship that made the other person feel ways that they couldn't like manage or express and they they uh, engaged in coping mechanisms that were uh, irrational and crazy. But you are also responsible for that behavior as much as they are. Mm-hmm. And if you don't own your responsibility, if you don't own your responsibility for why you're out of shape, if you don't own your responsibility why your relationships are unrewarding, if you don't own your responsibility for why you're not where you want to be, you will never be where you want to be. You will never be happy in any relationship or in any job. You know, it's like, own it. You are responsible. And people are like, well, that's that bootstraps myth. Well, I firmly am here to tell you that I am only where I am today because I've surrounded myself with people who are better than I am. Yeah. And they have they have elevated me. I have leveled up because I surround myself with winners. And that's not a bootstraps thing. But also, when I things up or when there are setbacks i can tell you that like 90 plus percent of the time it's my fault (laughs) like i did a thing that has made that i have to suffer the consequences for um the rationale as to why i did that thing is irrelevant Mm -hmm. but i did it yeah and now i have to suffer the consequences of doing that thing and if i don't own it i'm just gonna keep doing that thing over and over and over again and what's the definition of insanity Doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. Expecting different results. Yep. So like, um, and I mean, again, it's that, I think it's the reason that Jocko's extreme ownership message is really popular with guys because it's like, yeah, man, you have to own it. And I think once you start to own it a little bit, there's nuance to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, it's not all your fault, but if you can say I am responsible for where I am because of X, Y, and Z, it's a lot easier to just look at the things that weren't your fault and go, oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of like instead of dwelling holding on it against it. Yeah, somebody. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the big thing too, right? If people can take ownership in what they can control. And again, if fitness is the first starting point for anyone, I'm like, man, you can control that. You can literally figure out fitness right now for you. And if you don't know how to do it, there's people who can help you. And I like to, man, you, you brought it up like the whole time and I was going to punch it in later, but um, when you said you surround yourself with people that are pushing you better. I had a team leader when I was brand new um, in the military. He said, you want to be with dudes beside you that are going to be better than you and that you're the shittiest person in that group. Not the shittiest like morally or character wise, but you're the weakest person in that group so that you're always trying to be better. Because if you're the top dog in your group, he used to say, you need a fucking new group. He's like, you need new people to be around. Yep. Dude, 100%. And like the second that I realized that, professionally was the second I started becoming a good soldier and a good dad. And like, you know, I mean, it's funny because even the dudes want to be better. Mm -hmm. The difference is persistence. Yep. And like, I knew a ton of smart motherfuckers that are poor. I know a ton of, you know, like really in shape dudes that like aren't doing anything with their lives. I don't know a single dude who I would say is persistent that isn't absolutely killing the game. And like, you don't have to be good. You just got to be persistent. (laughs) And if you're persistent, you'll eventually become good. You know, like dedicate yourself. And suddenly you wake up one day and be like, oh man, all these things are way easier. Yeah, because you've been doing the work. 
Yeah. And you've been getting better reps in and better reps in. Yeah. And you're, you know, you may not be the best ever, but you're going to be better than most everybody else. Yeah. And again, like in the age of, um, like information and media and it's very easy to get wrapped up in like Jocko's book or like uh, us talking right now, people listening, they're like, yeah, we're super fired up listening to these two dudes. I'm like, okay, listening to us is 30% of it. You need to like shut off the podcast and get after it now and do it versus people get the instant gratification of I'm buying that one piece of equipment to make it better. Right. And they're like, they just expect that versus we're just trying to bring this approach that you can get better in everything. And if prepared preparedness is the, is the game that's like sexy right now and you want to be more prepared, I'm like, okay, well you can get more prepared today by doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever you're weak at, you can figure it out. You just got to put effort. I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you this right now, dude. Here's is like words to live by. <laughs> like almost everything that you do in your life to get better is fucking free. You you don't need to go into debt to buy stuff that is going to make things easier. Like, we fought world wars without nods. Yeah. And we did, you know what I mean? Yeah. We did raids. Yeah, we did raids and without you, night vision. And you know, you know how you did it? You planned. You literally were like, hey, by the way, when is moon set? Because I'm going to move during the night with no nods under illumination. And then I'm going to conduct my actions on the objective when the moon sets and there's no light. All I have to do is look at a sunset, sunrise, moonset, moonrise, uh, moonrise, moon, moonset table mm-hmm. to know when I'm going to shape the environment to work best for me. Cool, man. Like that required you to have an understanding of your environment and not just like, hey, did I put fresh batteries in my nods? Cool, man. But like all of it's free. Like, hey, I'm not – you don't have to subscribe to Softleaf's programming. Um, you, what you need to do is you need to listen to what I said and f- un your sleep. Yeah. Do it. Then be like, hey, I'm really motivated to be in the gym right now. Cool. Get a notebook. You probably already have one and a pen. Start writing some stuff down about how you feel in the morning. Yeah, look at you. Get your notebook out, right? Like, So like, buy a notebook and start writing some stuff down. When you feel an emotion that makes you feel a certain way, be like, hey, I feel this way right now and I don't know why. Next time you write it down, you'll be like, I kind of do know why, right? Like, You can write a plan. It's like, hey, guys are like amped up right now. For sure, read motivational stuff. It's great. But most motivational stuff doesn't come with a plan that's for you. Yeah. And so like, you need to sit down and be like, hey, where am I right now? How did I get here? Like, write a timeline. This is what I've done so far in my life. X, Y, Z. Here's where I am. Here's where I would like to be. I want to do this other thing. What do I need to do? What are some logical steps? Well, I don't really know. Cool. Reach out to somebody who's where you want to be and ask them how they got there. Take notes. Talk to three or four different people and be like, there's a common theme here. These guys did similar things in these areas i need to do those things cool man write it down now i don't have enough money to do this thing but i do have enough time to do this other thing i'm going to do that thing first until i have enough money to do this other thing that requires some sort of financial input and i'm going to prioritize these things over everything else in my life until i get to the point i want to be that's it 
And I mean, dude, I'm telling you, guys are like, well, I can't work out like Doug. I don't have a home gym. I joined a Globo gym just to do the programming to show people you didn't need a home gym, which is funny because for a long time our messaging was you don't need to go to a Globo gym because of COVID. Yeah, you just have, <laughs> just a, have home a home gym. gym. Yeah, <laughs> I remember during COVID, that was a big push. <laughs> but I mean, it's also worth noting that during the course of my physical, my physical fitness journey, I lived in Morocco for eight months. Um, I've lived all over Africa for years at a time. Um, I've been in places where I had no gym equipment and nothing, like no way to work out. And I'm out doing pull-ups on tree branches, handstand push-ups against like old walls, swimming in rivers with crocodiles just for fun, (laughs) running. Like when I was in Senegal, I I, I ran multiple marathons just because I was bored and I had tons of downtime. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if I can. And I lost like 30 pounds in a three-month trip just because all I did was run. It was actually... It was a problem. Actually. <laughs> I was like, I think I got a disease in Africa because I just like lost so much weight. Like all I'm um, doing is running on but, my days off. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, in the end, it's up to you. Like you could, I mean, I could do what everybody else I work with did when we didn't have equipment and just sit around my room and jerk off to Pornhub. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I, I could be like, well, it's probably best I go out and like. Because I got out and did that stuff, I met new people, I met locals, I built relationships. So like my buddies were like, yo, how do you keep getting invited to these parties and stuff? I'm like, oh, dude, I was running through the park the other <laughs> week and I was doing some push-ups and some random dude was like talking to me and he's like, hey, come by my house. And then, you know, I got invited to a dinner party and it was cool. Um, but like, again, don't let, don't let your environment or self-imposed limitations get in the way of you pursuing those goals it doesn't take you don't have to be a psycho david goggins to make this all work all you have to do is be committed to not being a lazy piece and if you are ever sitting on the couch and you question am i being a lazy piece of shit the answer is always yes (laughs) (laughs) and and frankly it's it sometimes it is okay to be a lazy piece of but it should be sandwiched with activities. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm exhausted. I want to watch a movie. I want to read a book. I want to play with some dogs or I want to take a nap. All of those things are totally acceptable. But moderation and balance still matter, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and like I said earlier in this, dude, it's just about we're trying to normalize all this and bridge the gap so that it's there's um because like we said, there's a definitive line, right? On the two sides of like people who really get after it, people who are prepared, people who come from the military, then people who don't. And they use the excuse of, well, I'm not that person. I don't have that job. I don't need to do that job. It'll never happen to me. I'm like, yeah, but all that could change in a moment's notice. And now it is happening to you. Now someone is looking at you. Like you said, you have to like carry your kid. You have to, you know, someone needs help with something. I'm like, you just need to be as the better version of yourself that you can be. And again, um, kind of the broader topic, like, essentially the more branches or skills that I, that we can bring to the table for this like project, this podcast, that's, I get no money from this, but my effort, it'll help the most people see the bigger picture of, okay, I can not be a piece of yesterday because I've listened to this and I kind of have a plan now moving forward. And I agree, dude, from day one, fitness is like, that's the starting point for most people. It will, it will help you move everything. As a caveat on the fitness thing, one of the biggest panaceas or cures to malaise or depression is being outdoors yeah 100 percent. and it doesn't you don't have to again you don't have to run 
the Biggs Barkley backyard marathon or whatever mm. to be able to go, Oh, you know what? Like, uh, I'm going to get outside and I'm going to walk for 30 minutes. Uh, I'm going to, it's my roommate refers to it as sunning his balls. <laughs> he literally, he, he, he gets up and he just like walks around in the, in the open field behind my house with his shirt off. <laughs> and he's just like, man, I feel reinvigorated. I stood in the sun for 20 minutes and I'm like, man, good for you. Like, but you know, we have vitamin D deficiencies yep. culturally. Like it's like people just don't spend time outside. And so like, if, if you're currently not, if you're currently sedentary, if you're not physically active, the sleep piece is important, but also just get outside, breathe some fresh air, get some sun on your skin. And you know, that that's going to improve your position too. It's going to help you feel better. Yeah. hundred percent, dude. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's just trying to normalize this to help the most people, but, um, it's why seasonal, a seasonal depression is real. It's because you live in a place where there's no sun and you're just trapped in the house. And yeah. you know, it's like, get out there, get a little sun, you freeze, you'll freeze, but <laughs> like, <laughs> at least get a little bit, you know? Yeah. And then, and then like we said, right, you're just setting the precedence. If you, if your kids see you doing this, like, you know, for 15 years, it's totally normal. Your kids are going to grow up doing this. It's going to be normal to them. They're going to see yep. that this is and a healthy honestly, way to live. You can't force them to do it. <laughs> I'll just tell you, cause my kids, like they, they come and they go with how they want to do things. Yeah. But if you normalize it, like yeah. you said, it doesn't matter if they do it right now. It doesn't matter if they're normal teenagers that don't want to do what you do. When they get older, they're going to be like, damn, I understand why dad or mom did those things and it is important to me as well. Exactly. Yeah. And th- and that's the whole point, right? Is to just build, you know, the next best generation instead of, like we said, it's kind of at a weak point right now with everything going on and it's normalized to be okay with b- mediocrity. Like we said earlier. Yep. So I blame modern art. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm, I Jack's, Jackson Pollock, you son of a bitch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to blame forever until my Instagram account where I, I literally just have photos of me like making fire or at a shelter or something. I'm going to blame consumerism. That's that's the issue. People want to buy because it's a quick fix, right? It's like a hit. Like you said, it's the Dude, addict. It, it does it does feel good. It feels good always for, want a new for thing. always want a new thing. But you know what feels even better? Going outside with your family and like doing something, something hard. And then yep. looking back and be like, yeah, man, we did something hard. And like you said, your kids will remember it. Or you'll remember it. It'll, you'll normalize it. Or you, like you said, it may not be now, but you know, ten years from now, when, whenever your kids are adults, they're like, man, like, like our dad did stuff with us after work, and it was sweet, and he cared. Yep. Well, he cared. That's what matters. And I think that most people feel there's an there's definitely a lack of caring in our culture as a whole, mm-hmm. and um, people say they care, but then they don't do anything about it. And it's it doesn't matter what you say to me. It matters what you do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then Act- actions. Exactly. And that's what I mean, right? With this whole thing is even w- before we started recording hours ago, when I told you I was looking for you because I knew I'm like, I can tell from this dude that he cares and softly cares. You care about helping people. You care about making better versions of themselves than they were yesterday. You don't care about, you know, the, the marketing. You don't care about, are we in, you know, the latest, um, whatever f- fad, that it's going to be. Don't worry. I'm, I'm just out here trying to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome D- dude. Well, um, would you be able to just plug in real quick, like, um, your social media and obviously soft lead, I will link everything in the bottom. Yeah. Of the yeah. Um, for people. 
if you're interested in the programming, uh, which is honestly like we we have a lot of products. Yeah, we 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 sell a lot of supplements and we sell T-shirts and like cool swag. But in the end, our core product is is subscribing to our app, and it's thirty four dollars a month. For, unless you're in Canada, where it's apparently like fifty Canadian dollars, and, a month. and we and, <laughs> um, and I even brought it up. If I'm paying for it, I'm like, man, I'm paying even more, and I've been doing it for years. Yep. <laughs> so if uh, the the website is softleet.com, S O F L E T E, it stands for Special Operations Forces Athlete. Um, everybody that is associated with the company or writing programming, yep, there it is. <laughs> it's been there, been there, done that. And uh, we have a lot of experience. A lot of us are still kind of in the game mm-hmm. working it. Um, so, like, you know, we, we we know what we're talking about. And, like, I don't say that lightly because I'll be the first one to be like, eh, I'm not really not really that knowledgeable. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Softly uh, HQ is the Instagram account. Um, I am Doug the Elephant Slayer on Instagram. Um I post a lot of pictures of puppies mm-hmm. and, you know, also it's, it's really my biggest passion right now is golden retrievers. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing um, wrong with that, dude. Goldens are awesome. Yeah. They're, they've been, they've been a lifesaver for me, but, uh, all to be said, um, you don't have to follow me. You don't even have to like me. Um, all I care about is that you like yourself and you're doing better stuff for yourself. You could tell every motherfucker that you meet that I'm a son of a and worthless and i would laugh and be like but you still do the programming right <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like, that's cool man you don't have to like me all you got to do is like yourself and like my number one goal in all this is to try to get people to kind of separate themselves from the modern dilemma and and really dig into self-improvement and i i mean and i don't mean self-improvement like some pop psych (laughs) self work, you know, get your toes did. I I'm, I'm not here to validate anybody's feelings. Um, your feelings are yours and yours to process alone. And if I think you're, you're messed up, I'll tell you (laughs) like, no man, like I, I routinely fire customers cause they suck. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know who taught you to act that way, but you don't get to come into my house and piss on the floor and then act like I'm the bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) um, but you know, um, we've we've we have long had a a one hundred percent money back go f- yourself guarantee, and uh, I, I've never had. I actually, that's not true. I've had to stand by that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I've 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 had a couple inconsolable dudes that I was like, hey man, here's all the money you ever spent with us. Uh, anything you ever try to buy from us, I'm gonna refund your money. <laughs> I don't want to deal with you ever again. Um, but that kind of fits into the whole don't be an asshole thing, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so like, uh, I would, uh, you know, our, our website, the softly website has a pretty prolific blog with a lot of, uh, interesting content on it, like long form stuff, um, leadership, fitness, nutrition oriented. Uh, we have a YouTube channel as well that has a lot of like longer form content on it. Um, this year, the big focus for us is that, uh, Brent, the CEO, is on a run to get qualified to do the Dakar rally. And I think we'll be doing the Baja 1000. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And yeah. like, I will, I'll do a quick shout out. We've, we've got some great sponsors, um, freaking Cryptech, Maxis, and, uh, 
I'm going to highlight that I'm not a dirt bike guy, but I'm pretty sure Fly Gear is also sponsoring us. But, um, like, if you want to see an idiot do dumb things, <laughs> to tune in to watch Brent and three other Marines try to qualify for the car rally on uh, on dirt bikes. It's uh, it's entertaining at very least. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, man. And like and like I said, I've been a I've been a very big fan. Like, well, clearly you've seen some of the stuff. I'm like, I've been following yeah. you guys since the beginning. And like I said, I'm I'm paying a higher dollar for it but i i think it's worth it and and again like the the whole idea that again your guys is die living i'm like i can get behind that because like you said all we have is time and most people um probably if they went tomorrow they'd probably have a lot of regrets so um bro that's the best part is i i know for a lot of my life i was like you know oh i better do this thing before it's too late i mean i never thought i was gonna live past 35 you know the yeah everyone joked that at um, work too yeah Yep. And then here we are. And I'm like, oh, not only have I lived to 35, but I'm a better, more capable person in my 40s than I was in my 20s or 30s. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that that's not a normal thing. And I'm just here to say, like, I don't I'm not going to be Tony Robbins or some other inspirational speaker. But like, if I can make one person change their mindset and be like, oh, like, Life doesn't end. Um, I a buddy of mine, Matt Vincent. I don't know if you know him. His brother and I went to college together. No, I don't know him. He's that. He owns that hate brand clothing company. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. I've seen them on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, Matt's Matt's a cool dude. He just he's gotten very uh, inspirational lately. But he had a clip where he was like, you know, my my life is a book, and he's like, uh, realistically, you know, there's like eight chapters, ten years each, and if if I'm writing a book and the last interesting chapter is chapter four, how am I supposed to put that out there and be proud of it? It's like every, every chapter has got to be more interesting until the denouement where like we wrap everything up. Yeah. And that should be the final chapter. It shouldn't be the last four chapters of my book or, uh, and then he just sat on his little <laughs> and did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's a good way to look at it, man. Like, Life's not over. It's over when it's over. Until then, you can squeeze a few more drops out of it. And uh, so catch me in the nursing home spreading chlamydia <laughs> at 85 years old. But I will be I'll be squeezing every last yes. drop out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks again, dude, for taking the time. And again, um, the people listening are going to be jealous because I've, I've been very fortunate, man, that you've given me some solid hours tonight and i i appreciate it doug bro it means a lot i did not think that i would still be podcasting with you at midnight and i regret not a minute of it it was awesome it means it means a lot dude i i really appreciate it and we will for sure figure something else out in the future thanks again everyone for joining us this week with my awesome talk with doug from softleet again this is nomad from hard time strongman podcast creating up a better class of man until next week's episode stay savage and stay in the fight